Good evening and welcome back to another episode of Please Call Me Crazy, brought to you by Free People Radio and powered by our favorite sponsor, TireGit.com. That's TireGit.com. You have to buy tires from somebody. You might as well buy them from us. Help fund the movement, help support the movement. We believe in the freedom of movement, which is exactly what the establishment wants to take from you now. I am your host, Royce White, here in the belly of the beast, Minneapolis, Minnesota, for episode number 97. Episode number 97. Today we have a special family and friends guest episode. Here with us today in the studio is none other than the great Dan Schultz of theprecinctstrategy.com, which might in fact be the most important political movement in American history at this juncture. And also with us in the studio we have none other than the great Professor Penn. This might be the most important, no, this is the most important episode to date by far. No doubt about it, this is the most important episode to date. If you're out there and you're watching, please get somewhere where you can pay attention. If you have to watch it back, do that. Um, we brought Dan in today to give all of the listeners out there, some of which may in fact already have seen Dan, know Dan from War Room. You see, War, he's got the great War, War Room yeah. Precinct Strategy shirt on there, that's awesome. Um, but if you don't, we got a lot of listeners, people who've never voted before, people who still may be planning on voting for Donald Trump, but may not be involved in the party. So we got a lot of people out there who listen to, and listen to the podcast. Um, so we want to, we, first off, just a little bit about yourself, where you're from, your background, upbringing, things like that. And, or maybe not, maybe you want to get straight to you. You tell me, maybe you want to get straight into the, into the direction. Yeah. Um, I grew up uh, just down the river in Buffalo County, small town right on the Mississippi River, and I saw politics play out because my dad was a city councilman, a county board member. I had a, one of his older brothers was a, a, a mayor of a small town. Another one was a, a town clerk. Um, and uh, many of them served also on school board. And so um, uh, I actually was, you know, interested in what they were doing. And uh, uh, my dad would always get uh, every two years a, a Wisconsin Blue Book, which the uh, Wisconsin State Legislature publishes that has a, has a chapter in it about how the political parties worked in Wisconsin. And back then, um, it was uh, not like it is today. Back then, it was like it is in Arizona. You ran for precinct committeeman. It was called uh, ward captain back then. And, um, and so I was, in, you know, that was very interesting to me. And, um, and then I had uh, seventh grade civics, uh, where I was taught by our teacher who, um, um, was a guy I really admired how the political parties worked. And he told us at the end of the class that if now you guys, uh, you're going to get to voting age eventually. And if the country ever gets into a real political crisis. I've equipped you now on what to do. You know what to do. What you need to do is you need to get involved in the political party of your choice and become a voting member of it because you get to do two things. You get to be part of the party apparatus and elect everybody in the party apparatus who runs the party. That's number one. And number two, you're in the best position to boost turnout in that all-important primary election 
to make sure that the best people, because if we're in a political crisis, that means that the people we've been electing aren't doing their jobs and we need to replace them. So you'll, you'll be in the best position to boost turnout for the best people to take, take out of action the people who are ruining the country and replace them with new people. That's right. what, and I put the, I put that in this little book that I wrote yeah. back in 2017 for Donald Trump. Hold that thing up there. Yeah. It's a, uh, how to get into the real ball game. It's real catchy. How to get into the real ball game of politics where you live to help President Donald J. Trump make America great again. And I wish he would have taken my advice <laughs> um, because what it, this book explains is what I just explained. Okay. If you want to have the party backing you when you're running for president, mm -hmm. you got to change the party. And our party hasn't changed since 2008. He, he has to. He is the best person. The candidates are the best people. Yeah, so I... I've, I, but what I, you're saying is the party as it is today for John, for Donald Trump specifically as an America first candidate makes it so that in order for him to have the party behind him, he would have to, he has to change the party. He has to change it because it Which has, he's it, perfectly positioned to do. He's in the best position to do it. If he would go to his rallies now and tell people, Hey, listen, I'm fantastic that you're here. Wonderful to see you. But out there in the audience, raise your hand if you're a precinct committeeman. Or if it's, let's say he's in North Carolina, precinct delegate. If he's in Texas, precinct chair. If he's in Washington State, precinct committee officer. Whatever the terminology is, he's got, he needs to know what it is. And then ask for a show of hands. And then that's what I do when I speak. I ask for a show of hands of precinct committeeman, like I did at the Lindell event. Mm -hmm. And then I tell everybody else, eyeball one of those people. When I'm done speaking, I want you to go talk to one of those people and ask them why they're doing what they're doing, and you, they'll convince you to follow their lead. Half of the slots in every state, more than half probably. Two-thirds. I think, well, I know hard numbers in some states. In Arizona, two-thirds of our precinct committeeman slots are vacant. Our parties are operating at half at less than half strength, and it's ideologically split because about half are conservatives, about half are rhinos. So, so right now we have one-third and we got a 50-50 split in the one-third strength. Yes, exactly. And I explain that all in the book. I explain it and all. And the reality out. is that Donald Trump got 78 million people to vote for him. Yeah. So, and you said, and what were the stats again? You said right now. Well, right now we've got tenths a, of 1% of, 1 of 74 million. I heard 74 million. You heard 78, but three tenths of 1% of 74 million is about 200,000. We need three tenths of 1% of the 74 million who voted for Donald Trump mm -hmm. to become precinct committee, to fill up all those vacancies. And if we Another do that. Another three tenths of a percent. Yeah. Of 1%. Three tenths of 1%. I hope everybody yeah. hears that out there. Yeah. And that's all it takes. And if we can't do that, if we don't do that, I say this at the end of every one of my podcasts, I can't guarantee you that if we do what I say we ought to do at my site and in my book and in my podcast, I can't guarantee that if we do that, we're going to save the Republic, but we'll have a really good, better chance. But I can guarantee the flip side of that coin because... Um, I was on active duty in the military as a counterintelligence guy in, in the army and a human intelligence guy. I studied communism. I got paid to study the communists. We're going through a soft coup right now. Mm -hmm. it's, 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 it's apparent to anybody who knows what we're going through, mm -hmm. like probably the three of us. Absolutely.
And if we don't stop electing and reelecting uniparty fake Republicans, then we we have a we're going to continue with a one-party state, which is what we have. That's the uniparty. We've got to start electing real Republicans like Donald Trump and a, and the few others that are in Congress and in the state legislatures. We've got to do better at the primary, and we can do it if we fill up all the vacant precinct committee slots. Get organized and united politically where we live locally in the party structure, and then we remake the party, but we also are in the best position to elect better people in the primary. And that's pretty much it in a nutshell. And, and again, so we're, we, for everybody out there right now, if you can, precinctstrategy.com. Go there, get familiar, join your local BPOU here in Minnesota. We got BPOUs, but around the country, get involved in the party, become a precinct committee man or whatever the terminology is there. We're operating at one third, one third strength. And we wonder why these uniparty rhinos keep getting elected, why they keep getting winning primaries. They're the only ones who get endorsed. I know here in Minnesota, the endorsement process was huge. Scott Jensen, who I have differing differing views on certain political issues, at least can can say for himself that he did the work prior to the last the 2022 uh, uh, midterm to bring people into the party. There were people very passionate. He brought about original Dr. voters and delegates into the party, which allowed him eventually to get the endorsement. He didn't win, but he 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 at least he had a shot. You know, now Dr. Scott Jensen has a whole nother conversation. We gotta have him back on the podcast because me and him got some some stuff to iron out. But but I like I like Dr. Scott Jensen in, in, in all seriousness. Um but but he's proof that, you know, he's somebody who the Minnesota Uniparty was not in support of. I mean, just on a fundamental level. Now, there are certain things about him that as he gained momentum, they 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 validated to be able to throw some support behind him. But they try to hitch their wagon to him. Let's talk about, Donald Trump was the same way, right? You'll see that there are rhinos, hardcore rhinos, and then there are flip-flop rhinos, right? These sort of rhinos that are gonna fence hop and they'll try and latch on to an American first or nationalist candidate if he gets the momentum and it looks like he's gonna win. Because either we can buy him off or- or Co-opt him. Co-opt him, or we can sandbag him if the time comes. So that's something you got to worry about too. But but regardless of that, and you talked about doing military and, and human intelligence, I want to get into some of that if we can, whatever you can divulge here on the show and, and just share with us your experience. But um, from a human psychology standpoint, why is it that so many Republicans have become um, discouraged with being in the political process given you know the multitude of, of bad outcomes, we could say? For me, as a basketball player, every time as an athlete, every time when you go step on the court, there's a number of things that could happen that that would, you know, cause you to lose. <laughs> the refs could be shit that day. There's three refs out there. All three of them could be shit. One of them could be shit at the most inopportune time. The other team could be on fire for some strange reason. Make shots they never usually make. Your teammates could miss shots they usually make. Maybe your best player is injured. Maybe your supporting cast is injured. I, I know there's a multitude of things that could result in a, a loss. Never stops you from going out and playing. And and for a culture like an American culture that's so religious about our sports and competition, we we say competition, but really we got this fandom sort of fanatic culture. 
we're so fanatic about sports, but we don't practice it with our own citizenship. What is that about, and how do we how do we fight that? Because I think a lot of that is why people aren't going into the party, and I hear it from being a, a commentator, you could say, or a pundit. Um, people always say, well, 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 what's the point? Yeah, well, think about it. <clears throat> if you ever gave money to the RNC in any way, shape, or form, to the NRSC or to a presidential candidate, or the NRCC or the RNC itself, you're going to continue to get mailers. Have you ever received a mailer from the RNC saying, oh, by the way, we know that you live in this precinct, and oh, by the way, uh, there's 10 precinct committeeman slots and eight are vacant, mm -hmm. and you always vote because we have your voter file. Uh, you, you're a good Republican. You'd make a great precinct committeeman. Here's who to call to become a precinct committeeman in your county. You're never going to get that from the RNC because they don't want more precinct committeemen. Okay. So that's one thing that you won't get. If you go to GOP.com, the, the RNC's website, here's what's not there. Why and how to become a precinct committeeman. That's the first thing at my website. When you scroll down past, you know, Trump's endorsement of the precinct committeeman strategy and the Bannon War Room video that's up near the top. Um, the next paragraph is why and how to become a precinct committeeman. So I have it at my site, gop.com does not. Next, how to find your local committee. That's not at gop.com, but it is at my site. I give step-by-step -step directions on how to do it. And then the most important thing is once you become a precinct committeeman, wouldn't it be great if the RNC gave the precinct committeeman down at the county level and the state level communication software so that they could all communicate easily with one another? Like, well, like, most, like most organizations do, yeah, right? All, of, all, all good ones. All good ones, right. Especially Pro in a tech society. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But they don't provide that. On the, purpose. But the Democrats have it. But is it on it. purpose? It's on purpose. Okay. It's on purpose. I, there's a long story I could tell about Vote Builder and our votes. But vote builder is what the Democrats use. The Republican version is our votes. And when the our votes was presented to the RNC by my friend Steve Adler, as soon as they heard him utter the words, and every precinct committeeman in a state can communicate with every other precinct committeeman, they basically said, thanks a lot, Steve, but we're not interested. And they showed him the door. We have that now. Robert Beatles, who saw me in war room, called me and said, Hey, you want to be on my podcast? I go, oh, okay, sure. So he had me on his podcast. I didn't know who Robert Beatles was. Mm -hmm. Now he's a really good friend. At the end of the interview, it was either live or after, after it ended, and then we were still conversing, like using StreamYard. Mm -hmm. I, I told him the story that I just told about our votes and the, the fact that the RNC doesn't give us communications software. Mm -hmm. And he said, really? And I said, yeah, they don't. I go, he goes, that's, that's crazy. Um, I could build a system like that for you. And I go, really? I go, how much would that cost? And he said, oh, I can do it for free. And I went, hmm, that's a really good price. Mm -hmm. And within yeah. six weeks, it was up and running. And it's been updated twice. And now you can get on it. And that's the second button at my site. It says connect with other conservatives in your, in your state. You click on that button, you sign up. It's private. Nobody can see it except whether you've been invited onto it. And, and then once you're on it, you can set up private chat rooms, 
public chat rooms. You can share documents. You could share like the link to this podcast. You can set up and do anything that you want. So you got precinctstrategy.com. First, it tells you how to become a precinct yeah. committeeman, and then it has. The, and then we the, get on the. Soft, what's this software called? It it we don't really have a name for it. It's I call it the precinct strategy communications and collaboration. But, but let's just bring yeah. out one yeah. important thing about this before before, wait, before you start. Beals. Before you start, Tanner, we got it. Let's help him get scooted down some. He's high up there, like on a mountain over here on this at this table. Let's bring him bring him down a little bit. You see. Me and Dan here are sitting at the table like a couple of uh, comrades and gentlemen, and Professor Penn's sitting on the sitting on, on the, risers on the on the on the the tower of uh, doom over there. Okay. Oh, great. Now I'm going to be in a in a you know. All right. Oh, there we go. There For a little bit more. Oh. There you go. That's better. There All right. We go. Now what I was going to say about the communication platform okay. before you repositioned me. Yeah. Sometimes it's, you got to get your generals, you know, sitting in proper proper. Seat. I have a problem with it. Let's you know, go. Let's they, go. They, they got you sitting up here above the table line, and your belts and, and your and your uh, your zipper showing and everything here. Oh my goodness you gracious! Know, yeah, we we don't we don't need the great professor Penn being brought down to some some strange uh, sycophantic pipe dream on the cameras here. Thank you very go much. Ahead. Continue. I was going to say about his uh, about the precinctstrategy.com communication platform. It's its own servers. I mean, yes, it's not one, a big tech. One of the things that we're talking about a lot is forming an information underground. Right. So that we are able to communicate under any circumstance because the control of this information. Well, yeah, the Robert, Robert Beatles owns the servers. Yeah. They're not in like AWS or Microsoft Cloud. He owns the physical servers. He's an IT guy. He's got a whole bunch of businesses. He's in Washoe County, Nevada. And so this can't be taken down, and it, and no, it 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 looks a lot like Telegram. They're using Telegram, sort of the model. Mm -hmm. So because a lot of people use Telegram, so it looks and feels like Telegram. A lot of us use Telegram. Yeah, in, in the movement. Yeah. yeah, and so, but see, who owns Telegram? I don't know. And can Telegram deplatform us? Just like that. Of course. But Robert Beatles isn't going to deplatform us, and he's not going to collect information about us. So. There's 15,868, let's say, I didn't check it this morning, uh, but that was as of yesterday, on the platform all across the country. There's default state chat rooms. I've got an Arizona state committeeman chat room. I've got an Arizona Maricopa County chat room, Arizona Legislative District 12. I'm in Legislative District 12 committee. The name of my precinct is Corbell, Arizona Corbell Precinct chat room. I've got like citizen hand counts project chat rooms, uh, ban the jab resolutions, which are going on down in Florida. Mm. See, we can start sharing information about all this great stuff everybody's doing by, by setting up a chat room about what you're doing. Put some keywords in the title. And if people want to find out about ban the jab, they just search ban the jab in the chat rooms. Boom, you find, the, find it right there. And if there's any documents, and there are, I've got a copy of the resolution in the file folder. Um, if there was videos, you could post the videos there. It's free. It's not on big tech. It's secure. It's private. Nobody's collecting information and it can't be deplatformed. That's what we need. My goal is to get 300,000 on it between now and the end of the year. If we succeed in filling up the 200,000 vacant precinct committeeman slots or more, <clears throat> and 
get the 100,000 existing precinct committeemen who are America Firsters on this platform, we'll have 300,000 communicating about you and other great candidates yeah. moving forward, getting organized and united locally to boost turnout. We've got to get organized and united where we live. And the best organization for doing that, let's see now, we want to get organized and united politically. Hmm. What kind of an organization might that best be? Hmm. Maybe a political party? And it's just sitting there, but it's empty. And we got to fill up all those vacancies. And that's what the precinct strategy is all about. Absolutely. I agree 100%. I'm going to be pushing the precinct and, and, strategy hard. And that's your book. And this is my book. You got to sign it. You're going to I sign will. it before you leave. If, if not, we're going to have to do five five minutes in the in the ring here, spar a little <laughs> bit. Um, you know, the, the thing that seems clear to me, we're, we're having a bunch of conversations now about election integrity. Um, campaign finance is one that's come up. Uh, just the, the the laws and policies around elections and, and political candidates. And what seems very clear, I think, to most people now is that election interference did, in fact, take place through big tech. Okay, so Facebook, number one, Mark Zuckerberg testified before Congress that the intelligence community came to him and said, you can say this, you can't say this, or we need you to do this, we need you to, in in, in this benefit, for this benefit. So the, the, the intelligence community's, tampered with some in some group within the intelligence community. I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to, you know, castigate the entire intelligence community, but some loyalists to the Democrat party and their cause interfere with the election. So that's happening. Big tech is doing it. But before we even get down to the, the cold facts about that level of corruption, the obvious, the obvious advantage of the Democrat party or the liberal platform is that systems just like Apple here, you know, sends me news from authoritative sources like the New York Times every morning. I got a phone, I got an Apple ID. Or Newsweek. Newsweek, I had to get an Apple ID. The Apple ID syncs me to all my devices. I mean, there's a level of convenience and over the last couple of weeks on the podcast, I've been trying to stress this idea that convenience will be the death of freedom. I think it's, you know, often the case in, in societies that fall, but America, is, is going through that right now. So this counter strategy of, you know, guerrilla politics, let's say, you yeah. know, where, where's the precinct strategy or being able to communicate with each other, um, other people who are like-minded is, is your duty as a citizen. I mean, it's no longer, I mean, if you're sitting at home and you watch Hannity, first off, you're already in my, on my shit list if you watch Hannity at all. But if you watch Hannity, at least go get in the party. You know, or if you watch a clip of some group of young, uh, ravaging black men that go into Nordstrom's and take 20 bags uh, of Louis Vuitton that are masked up, fine. If you want to be mad at that, that's fine with me. I'm, I'm, I'm disturbed by it, too. Go get in the party. Okay? Right. You know, just do it's, – it's not – and it's not that much time. And I think, Professor Penn, you wanted to – speak today about just how much time it takes. And Dan, you can speak to this as well of what you ask people in, t in terms of time commitment because I think there may be some, some misconception about how much time is actually required of people to save the country. I mean, it's almost laughable. We all talk about saving the country, but it would actually take so little time for us to put forth a valiant effort. It's almost, it's, it's ridiculous. It's a little embarrassing 
I do want to say before I get into answering that, these organizations like Reuters, the Associated Press, to say that it's Democrat, that they're Democrat leading, I like the uni party term much better. And the reason why, going back to what you said about a soft coup, every time you get like a national socialist takeover of Germany, where the German people elected the Reichstag that included the Nazis, and then they just took over the government. And the first thing they did was outlaw other political parties. They were very heavy-handed about it and quite violent about it. In this case, we've got a UD party in the, in the, in the German parlance, it was Gleichtelschung. They had a process of Nazification. We have a process of globalization that we're living through in this country that is, you know, really almost completely, well, it's pervasive, let's just say that way. Media, entertainment, political, you know, everywhere there's, there's this globalization sentiment. And for those of us that have started to wake up, so to speak, that this globalization thing is a scam, there are problems so big that no one country can solve them, it's BS, it's pure BS. It's a way to denationalize the United States of America. So we, we're recognizing this more and more and more people. I would say it's almost as if it's a movement in and of itself that people are going, whoa, what are we gonna do about it? Well. I came into politics, the, I'm going to tell a personal story because this is how Dan and I became friends. Well, first we met. The night Donald Trump was deplatformed off of Twitter, I just knew at that moment I could not be a bench warmer any, anymore. And I'd been watching Dan on War Room because I suddenly focused in on War Room around that election period. because. Mm -hmm. You know, Steve's coverage, Bannon's coverage was grippy. Mm -hmm. So gripping, in fact, that he's indicted and uh, Navarro was convicted. So, you know, the that's great, called the great Steve being Bannon. over the target, right? Shout out to the great Stephen K. Bannon. Thank you, Steve. The hero. Thank you. Anyhow, Navarro, I was, too. I was, yeah, I, love Navarro. I, I was watching uh, Dan appear, and, you know, because I'm Professor Penn rather than Red Around, I just picked up the phone and called him because I wanted the inside track. Mm hmm. So, you know, Dan talked, I and mean, Dan's getting hundreds of phone calls. So he treats everybody fairly and quickly. He said, here's what you do. Well, I knew that anyhow. I was just trying to make a connection. And I called the party. And they ignored me for months. They ignored me so much that I started to leave voicemails like, call me back or I'm going to sue you. Then they called me back, of course. My good friend, Mr. David. You know him. Anyhow. Uh, my point is the amount of time, and this is what I'm trying to take my experience as being a political activist here as an officer of NGOP and looking at how this goes down. The, I think the main reason people don't want to be involved with, this is my Professor Penn's opinion, mm -hmm. I don't think it's the time, it's the assholes that populate the party that make human interaction so unpleasant. It's kind of like you're going down the path, more of, you know, it's eight, it's 1600 and instead of here with the digital, we're on the path on horseback. Mm -hmm. We come up and there's a fork in the road and at the fork in the road, there's eight guys hanging upside down with their heads cut off. Dan might, you know, he's ex-military, so let's keep going. You might say, well, wait a second, can we talk? And I'm already going down 
the other direction because that's a sign don't go that way. And that's what the party does. The party in Minnesota puts really disreputable, unpleasant people in power positions and then they crap on the new people that come in and they, who wants to take their personal time and go deal with these people? So, you know, my antidote to that is we need a community of well-being people that actually have love one for another. But the time part of it, I've broken it down because we would like to see, I think Dan agrees with me, we'd like to see you become endorsed as the Republican Party candidate for Senate in the election in 2024. Two reasons I have for this. I have my own perspective. Number one, mm -hmm. your political philosophy is raw and authentic. Thank the you. country needs that kind of honesty because we've been full of bleep since 2000 and Bush. Okay, we got, and actually it goes all the way back to Woodrow Wilson. So we've been, we got a hundred years of accumulated barnacles on the ship of state. Okay, that's number one. Number two, I think Minnesotans, when they understand who you are and what your candidacy is about, will want to become, and we are going to encourage them to become Royce White delegates. Not party participants in the precincts, but just delegates. Just go and do your basic civic duty of showing up to the caucus, the Minnesota caucus system, and get elected as your caucus delegate, your precinct delegate, and then go to your Senate convention and get elected there. Now we can vote to have you endorsed. And I believe there's 10,000 new people. And when we get Dan talking about it and all, you know, all the conservative media that you're involved, everybody's talking, these people are going to come out and two things are going to happen. We're going to get you endorsed, but then we're going to show these people and share with these people how to stay in party participation and vote out this entrenched group of globalists that are controlling the party. And I think it's going to take one day a year for Minnesotans to regain control of the state and of the party. A day's worth of time. One day. One day. And my statement is, if we don't have enough people in this state that are willing to devote one day a year, 24 hours a year, to their self-governance, then they want to be ruled. I mean, they're making a choice. That's their choice. If Make that's your a, choice, live with your decision. That's right. And we're mm -hmm. all going to be a victim of that if that's what decide, if that's how it comes out. But our, my job or my podcast and what I'm doing in the party is to try to just say to people, come on, look at what's going on. Look at, check out the real situation. Two choices. Down this road, slavery and death. Down this road, human well-being and freedom. Make a decision and live with your decision. How much time do you think? Um, <clears throat> I, I ask for three hours a month. And, and let's bring it now to um, a discussion of... Uh, who gets to do the voting for who the delegates are. <clears throat> but let's not talk about Minnesota. Let's talk about nationally. Mm -hmm. So there's two tracks moving forward that Donald Trump has to win on. The first track is he has to get the nomination. So these, these um, and this is kind of inside RNC baseball stuff. Mm -hmm. And they may change the rules, but there's a current rule, Rule 38, which is called the No Unit Voting Rule. And what that says is we don't care if your state statutes or your state party bylaws state that if you win the presidential preference primary election, um, 
that then everybody has to vote at the national convention who got elected to be a national convention delegate. <clears throat> if you have a rule like that, when you come to our, con our, our RNC convention as a national convention delegate, you don't have to vote via that unit rule. We won't paint penalize you. You can vote your conscience. Nobody knows that. <clears throat> okay, so what does Donald Trump need in the first instance? He's got to win the delegate track. He has to get the nomination of the RNC at the national convention. Who does that? The national convention delegates. Who elects the national convention delegates? It's not voters. It's state convention delegates. Who elects the state convention delegates? It's the precinct committee. Precinct committee. Not voters. Precinct committee. Participants, delegates. Right. You, any Republican can show up at a, we're going to have ours in Arizona in March of next year. I'm going to have one at Legislative District 12. Any Republican can show up and say, I want to run for delegate. Okay, cool. Put your name on and we'll put your name up on the board. But the only people there who get to vote are, and it's in, this, it's in my book, are those who got elected in 2022 as a precinct committeeman, like I did, 3,180 of us out of 8,197 slots. We only got elected 38% of the total. Now, between now and the end of the year in Maricopa County, that was in Maricopa County. In, in Now, in Maricopa County and every other county, you can apply to fill a vacancy. And if you get approved between now and the end of the year, then in March of next year, just like an elected PC, you can be a voter for yourself or anybody else. You'll be a voter too. Wait a so, minute. So you can apply to become a precinct committeeman yeah, or a, a to delegate? To fill a vacancy. To, to fill, fill a vacancy. vacancy. But is that only in Arizona or all around? No, the it varies from state to state. Okay. The process is different. I'm just talking about how it works in Arizona, but it's something like that every place else. Mm -hmm. um, the rules are different in every state. Uh, but in Arizona, the county chairman doesn't have to appoint anybody if they don't want to. Or they can appoint, if let's say they're a rhino, they'll appoint the rhinos, but not the conservatives. That's politics. That's, it's a pure numbers game. It's always best to run for precinct committeeman, whether you do it by a caucus, a private caucus like here in Minnesota, or if you do it via the primary election. So that's the first thing Donald Trump needs. So what does he need? He needs as many Trump supporters as possible to become voting members of the party as precinct committeemen so they can go to these caucus meetings next spring and vote for state convention delegates will be Trump supporters who in turn elect the national convention delegates. And they also elect the national committee woman and the national committee man at that state convention. If we want to change the RNC, we've got to get more Trumpers, America firsters to Trumplify the party all the way up to well, the RNC. In, That's in, the first track. In Minnesota, we call it painting the party white. Okay. All right. All right. Whoa, 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 whoa there. <laughs> Slow down, cowboy. Don't be talking about painting no parties white. I'm just joking no, I'm with kidding. you. I'm fine, so, with, so I'm that's fine with it. This is my last yeah. name. But in fact, I am a white supremacist closeted, as the Washington Post <laughs> would that's say. That's what they say. Really? So, hey. And I'm an anti Semite. Yes. Hey, that's Crazy. fantastic, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And our good buddy Schultz here, you yeah. know, we're just a 
a band of of of, of true raving, troublemakers. Yeah, of yeah. raving uh, uh, fascists. Yes, yeah. yes, great. So that's the first track. He's got to get the nomination. What's the best way for him to get the nomination? Mm -hmm. Do what's in my book. I explained it in my podcast yesterday's podcast. I explained it again. So once, it, so I, what, let me say so, it again. Let me review it. So you you can go and either run for delegate or in certain places around the country. You can apply to fill a vacancy. Yeah. If you apply to fill a vacancy, you help vote on who goes to the state convention. Right. Which then elects. The state convention delegates elect the, the national, national convention, convention delegates. delegates but they also select the, R the, the R RNC the two, chair, two chairs. Of them. Not the RNC chairs, the national committeeman and the national committee right. woman. Like in Minnesota, we have three, right? Well, you have also state, your state chair is also a member of the RNC. There's three from every state. And that's usually a two-year term. So there's three. There's right. three from every state, the five territories, and D.C. That's 168 altogether. Nobody, and it's it's online. You can go to GOP.com. They actually have the rules of the Republican Party online. You can download but, it. But, but let me just, Dan, let me just say, what Dan is identifying in his own kind of soft way, let me get a hammer out. He's identifying a great weakness in this whole process because the RNC knows that in all these states, many of these delegates are going to be uniparty players. Right. So they are, and in Minnesota, I can- That's why they don't tell anybody about how this all works, but I do. And in Minnesota, I'm going to tell you that this uniparty has actually approached me to gain my agreement with them that we're going to work against Donald Trump making any progress in Minnesota. They're actively, the RNC itself, is act I can testify oh, to it because I, can I too. for Arizona same thing they're working against this yeah so there's all these challenges to Donald Trump those that we see today if he's it's kind of like a video game if he's if he manages to get through these levels he's not done because the RNC is fully aligned against him and they control at least half of the skill positions. Yeah, so the so then the second thing that he needs, first he's got to get the nomination, then he's got to win the popular vote in every state or as many states as possible to win the electoral college vote. Mm -hmm. Well, again, in, who's instrumental in doing that? Precinct committeemen. I got over 90% of Republicans in my precinct to go vote in 2020. The average in, Ari in an Arizona precinct was 71 or 72% of Republicans in a precinct. The average of all eligible voters was 65%. If Donald Trump had gotten over 90% of the Republicans in every precinct in Arizona to do what, and it wasn't just my precinct, there were three others out of 42 in my legislative district who do what I do. We target those people. You can look it up using GOP data center, the software, the party gives precinct committee. You can look up who are the voters who just don't normally go vote. Maybe we should contact them and give them a gentle nudge to please go vote. And that's what we do every two years, every two years, primary and general, primary and general. Eventually, the work gets easier because some of those lower information, lower propensity voters who don't normally vote start voting more regularly now because they're getting that nudge every two years. Okay, it makes it easier and easier. That's what he needs. He needs precinct committeemen. He needs Trump-supporting precinct committeemen. There's a power vacuum in the Republican Party, and we can fill it. But we've got to get a whopping three-tenths of 1% of 74 million people who voted for Trump to step up to the plate and do this thing that I say it's a three-hour-a-month commitment, half-hour to drive to your meeting, 
meeting lasts about two hours where you learn the nuts and bolts of how this all works from your fellow precinct committeeman, your precinct captain, whatever. There's training that goes on at these meetings. And then a half hour to drive home, about a three-hour commitment. And then during the at the time of the primary and at the time of the general election, I only ask, again, for three hours for my precinct committeeman, my precinct, to make an hour's worth of phone calls to those lower information, lower propensity voters, and then two hours it takes to drive through. Now, I live in a suburban area. If you're out in the country, it might take longer. But, you, but you know, every precinct's different. Every locale's different. But, you know, we're Americans. We have American ingenuity. We can figure this stuff out. But we've got to work together, and we're not working together right now sufficiently to to get Donald Trump the nomination first and then the popular vote. And keep this in mind. The current RNC is not on board with Trump, as David just said. Oh, yeah, they're never They're Trumpers. stabbing him in the back every yeah. which way they can because they're globalists. Well, we can change that. The first three words in the preamble to the Constitution are the key words. They put it in big print, you know. We the people. Well, now it needs to be we the Trump-supporting people. We the America first people. We've got to get organized and united politically, locally, where we live like never before and save this republic. Because if we don't, well, if we don't save the republic, that means we're going to lose the republic. And we're on that path right now. We can turn it around peacefully. I'm confident of that, that we have the wherewithal, we have the bodies to do it. But what I'm not seeing yet is enough people getting involved. And that's why I'm here talking to you. I want to see that happen. We all want to see that happen. We've all got to become recruiters, recruiting machines. Well, Mm -hmm. yes, this is an evangelical sales organization. Yes. But Dan, I do want to say, because you've been doing this for a very long time, so your your time analysis is, is... quite large, larger than most of us, just since I've been involved, which is when Trump got deplatformed, the level of organization and the people coming together, it's stunning. Yeah. I mean, really, when you realize that there was none of this energy when Trump lost it, we were sitting around watching Fox News. I was in a meeting about uh, a month ago, and there was a, you know, a rhino globalist there, and these people were just, most of them were nationalists. And they just tore this person up. I mean, and I just, you know, I have to intervene because I'm responsible for the health and welfare of these people. I said, I want everybody to stop. Stop. Those of you who are without sin cast up the first stone. And they looked at me, what do you mean? I said, here's what I mean. If you voted for George W. Bush in 2000, raise your hand. No, raise them high. And it was everybody in the room. I said, how do you feel about that yeah. now? Yeah. So we're all in a process of, uh, waking up Mm -hmm. and i just want to say that i am not hopeful this is my personality because of my familiar history i know the history tells me doesn't end well but the amount of resistance there in politics unless there's a pushback it never stops they'll sunday stroll your ass right off the playing field and there was no resistance to globalism because we were all pretty much getting the benefits of globalism. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly people started waking up and saying, and you know who woke up was the poor union workers in the heartland yeah. of the country that were getting their lives destroyed 
because the Mitt Romneys were exporting their jobs to China. And Trump recognized and Navarro recognized that constituency and how they were being harmed on a human basis, an individual basis. And they started to coalesce a movement around anti-globalism. And they started to use a very judged against term, which is nationalism. Nationalism coming out of the World War II period is really not a dirty a, word. It's a dirty word. Yeah, it's a dirty, actually, dirty it's word a, we all need to get comfortable with. It's a beautiful word. It's, a it's word. globalism that's the dirty word. Yeah. Yes. Well, I said on my podcast, I, I don't know if it, it might have been Thursday, <clears throat> this past Thursday, I said, I mean, I, I went, went into it in depth. You know, this whole, like, you know, the, the joke of paint, paint the party white. I mean, racism is just such a fail-proof way to hijack modern narrative, cultural narrative, and, and tilt the opinion in one, in one direction. It's just so easy. I mean, I see it from all, all, but you know, not just black people. Black people are the, are the railhead. Jews are really the railhead. You're seeing it now with all the Nazi stuff popping Absolutely. Out. They're pulling out the Trump card, aren't they? Absolutely, yeah. And then black people, and then it's, then it's women. The women card you can play rather well easy. I don't know how the women clump, clump themselves in with this anti-racist, fascist movement. The, the women probably voted for uh, the, the Third Reich in Germany just as well as the men did, to be honest. We'd have to check the stats on that. But, I mean, he had 80% approval. So it's a lot of women got down with the movement. My point is, is like Adolf Hitler was not a nationalist. I don't know why people even, even, you know, it's easy to call yourself a thing and not be a thing. We know that from being in the Republican party, right? Yep. I know that from being a Catholic. I know that from being a Christian. I know that from being an American citizen who says they believe in freedom or the constitution or rights. Just cause you say you're a thing doesn't mean you're a thing. And even more so, if a person says they're a thing and then you watch their actions and their actions contradict what they say they are, we should believe them Yes. in most cases. Yes. And Hitler's actions were not that of a nationalist. He had globalist ambitions. He wanted to, if he could, he would have taken Great Britain in a heartbeat. If he could, he would have, he would have taken Russia in a heartbeat. If he could, he would have bombed Detroit and taken America in a heartbeat. This is the mentality of a globalist. The real, spiritual benefit of nationalism has been intentionally hidden from us. And it is a spiritual benefit. And they first, you fence the conversation off to not be spiritual, and then you talk about politics in a very secular way. It makes the whole thing very uh, obscure. Unbalanced. Yeah, right? So, so as soon as you take the spiritual off of the politics, now it becomes hard to understand how a nation with borders is actually a spiritual deal. And I said the other day, this is the, the, the borders are not just some arbitrary line drawn by men who want to take the spoils of a given place. That's that that is sometimes what men do, but that's not the that's not the height of of uh, the what borders provide. Borders are the existential constraints on man's unfettered ambition to be God. There's a place out there. There's a line out there. Beyond that line, I'm no good anymore. Beyond that line, my, my mind can't, can't run that effectively. I can't govern that effectively. I can't see the future. I, I can't see that place well enough to be able to have any real authority over it. Arrogant men lose sight of that. Th yes. That's what makes globalism oh, bad. You're, you're really 
really bringing something up that really is quite spiritual. Because if you look at the, not to wax too religious, but mm -hmm. if you look at the seven deadly sins, going back to Steve Bannon, because, you know, we all have a relationship with him and, and he deserves the, the respect for what yeah. he's done for the movement. He, Steve says that courage is the virtue upon which all the other virtues rest. And I like to say that arrogance is the sin upon which all the other sins rest. And I think you're saying something that is very deep. And I think it's wise for all American citizens to really contemplate that. I think that's one of your best contributions to the mo movement, that borders are a limit on man's unfettered ambition or arrogance. Mm -hmm. And that's really underlying all of our problems. We got a lot of people in power that arrogantly believe that they get to run everything because they're smarter than everybody else. It's kind of a Nazi idea. You know, one race is superior and another one's inferior. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of morphed into a modern technological framework. Mm -hmm. But I, I really like that. I think that's something that I'm using on my podcast, and I think that it should is could be a cornerstone of the movement, that national borders are a limit on man's arrogance and how important it would be if men and women could work to give up their arrogance. And, I, that, and I only bring it up because I think, again, you know, the Washington Post will call me a national, uh, me a Nazi, or far right, you know, darling, or uh, you know, fascist. Fascist is one they throw out there a lot. Fascist, they'll call you a fascist. That's kind of funny, right? Come on, they'll call they'll call Schultz a fascist. They'll call Bannon. You know, they'll call us all fascists, and they'll use nationalism as this pretext to call us fascists. And it's just, you know, I haven't, I've yet to hear people really explain beyond the economic benefits of your citizenship why borders are important you know and, and it's it's easy for the globalists right now to beat us with that with that narrative about economics although it's a true narrative i mean the economic scam of it is becoming very obvious to black people nonetheless especially with this immigrant this immigration to place like new york city where they're dropping immigrants off now in neighborhoods and put them in your house and saying, hey, will you let them live in your house? I can't put $500 cash together and you're bringing an immigrant, putting them in my house and giving them $2,500 a month? Yeah, This is absurd. So yep. that, it's starting to resonate, but but for what Dan's talking about and, and, and just people's, you know, we need, we need baseline ideas to raise the movement again or, or to the level we need it to be at. And, and that's one of those baseline ideas that I think Primarily white men. So let's be honest. The, the attack is really predatory on white men. It's kind of sick to watch. I heard Ilhan Omar say on national television that what we really need to be worried about in America today is white men walking around the country. Like the one she married. Like the one she I, sleeps I, with. I every saw night, your I right? saw your tweet about yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, that's you know. <laughs> and no, and, you know, as a tangent, it makes me very very upset. Yeah to hear a black woman tell black men they should fear white men. It makes me even more upset that she would then go home and sleep with one. This is the real head. This, this is the real impetus of global uh, new world order. It's called hypocrisy. It, well, it's not even, oh, it's, it's worse. She's not just like a, a dumb hypocrite. She's doing it intentionally. This is Willie Lynch. This is the, the reverse racism of liberalism and this globalist edifice and, and, that people don't understand. And she knows there's no one in the malignant media, not one person who would call her out on it. The only people who would call her out on it is someone like you or me or David. Mm -hmm. 
but the, Trump, she can get Trump away with it. or Trump. She can get away with saying whatever she wants. And the the malignant media, the mainstream media are not going to touch her or anybody else like her. And that's another thing that we have to fight. And that's again, why we've got to get to alternative media yes. like we're doing here today and then get it spread. And, and, and she, and she left the, and I want to talk a little bit about your military service if we can, we got time sure. here, but, um, you know, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not one of these, one of these conservative cucks that's going to, you know, that, that is so threatened by the rise of this reverse race, racial narrative from the Marxists and the liberals that I go, racism is not an issue. Because as soon as you say racism is not an issue, now you actually miss how racist the liberal establishment has actually become. So let's not say that. Like, Bill Gates is a racist. Now, it may not be central to what he's doing, but there's some racism in it. I mean, when you go to say population growth in the, is, is going to be a problem in places where we don't want it, and then you go to a cutaway, and it's all Arab and African countries. We got that's a racial. That's a racial idea. Yeah. <laughs> he wants to. He wants to neuter black and brown people, and it's not by accident because he thinks that they're not people, just like Hillary Clinton would. Although Hillary's idea of it stretches to middle class and working class whites as well, which is also the same to be said of Bill Gates. We are the unified, the 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 working class, the deplorables that Hillary Clinton identified in 2016 are not bound by race. They've just convinced us that we're bound by race. And Ilhan's an example. Look at Barack Obama. Mr. And before, before, he wasn't really doing the race thing like he's doing it ex post facto or like he did it towards the end of his second term. Because in the beginning, we, you know, white people love Barack Obama. They voted for him twice. They hated Mitt Romney, which, in all honesty, I think, Mitt is more dishonest than even Brock was because Brock actually believes in communism. Mitt wants to act like he's a Republican, but he's really communist. Yeah. So, you know, but Brock's actually a little more authentic in my opinion. Um, but Barack now leans into the, you know, the, 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 the narrative about anti-whiteism or, or let's say the national security threat of domestic terrorists who are white supremacists. Right. And, and he's all pro-black. Right. He's the pro-black saint of reason from, for American politics. The man bombed more, he bombed more brown people in the Middle East than all of his white predecessors. Yeah. All of them. I mean, he combined, I think. I think Barack Obama was responsible for more bombings in the Middle East than Bush, Clinton, and Daddy Bush combined. What are we talking about? How are we allowing these people to even... You know, and I get it. A lot of white conservatives, well, a lot of are, are kind of nervous to tread this water, and you see that in the party a lot, even here in Minnesota. You know, you'll have a you'll have two sides of it. Just just not talk race, or you know, we'll be lukewarm around race, and that's why I'm. That's really why I had the impetus to run from the George Floyd thing that popped off, and I saw how that was used, and but but just my understanding of politics and the corporation, I'm like, eh, black men got to step up here and say what we really believe. And it puts them in a funky spot. You know, it, it puts them in a funky place because, you know, an Ilhan Omar can't really effectively call me a white supremacist. She might be able to a little bit better because she's, she's, you know, she's got all the Marxist identity politics things working on her behalf, Muslim, immigrant, you know, got a lot of things going for her. But Amy's going to have a problem because Amy 
you're a white woman. Okay, so, you know, all you liberal white women that believe in equality, that believe in giving Step up. colored people a shot, you know, why don't why don't you bow out of the Senate race and let yeah, a black man right, become the Senate? Exactly. Right? <laughs> how dare you? You don't you right. You're right? Yeah, that's a good argument. You know, yeah. or or how about you were the prosecuting attorney for Derek Chauvin four times he had misconduct come across your desk and you never prosecuted him. Not once. You're right. Summer of Love 2020. You people are voting for the woman who could be rightful. Right. Could be rightfully, you know, George Floyd. Culpable. George right. Floyd would be alive. Yes, that you could say that. Be alive. I want to just say one thing, which you probably know, and I didn't know. And I made the comment, and you know, I come out of a liberal family. And my mother, when I told her I she called me, she said, Did you vote for Donald Trump? And I said, Yes, I did. She said, Don't talk to me again. I said, Thanks, oh. Mom, that's great. She said, You know, you're just a token in the Republican Party. And I asked her, what do you mean by that? Because it was so foreign to my thinking, I had no idea what she was talking about. Mm -hmm. And when she explained it to me, I was, and I don't get mad very often, she actually hurt my feelings really deeply because all the Republican people I had met had been very kind and respectful of me. But of course, I was relatively new to the party. When I started to make waves in the party, whoa, I ran into the first time in my life a wall of anti-Semitism that stunned me. It would just stun me. And I say on my podcast all the time, because I, I just played on my podcast a piece from Father Coughlin in the 1930s. And he, his ideology, his core political ideology about decent wages for earners, protect the American people from the, he called it the scourge of the communist and the manipulation of the modern capitalist, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that there was a uni party. And he was pitching the precinct strategy, as mm -hmm. a matter of fact. Yeah. He was on it. But he lost it because he had racist and anti-Semitic elements to his platform. Mm -hmm. And we just can't make that mistake this time. That's why your candidacy is so important because we are one American people. We are ready to move beyond some of these. Many of us yes. want to move beyond this and be Americans united by we the people and we hold these truths to be self-evident. Yes. We want to be united. So, and, and Schultz, are you German-Irish? German-Polish. Uh, German-Polish. Yeah. So look, we, yeah, I mean, right. we got the coalition right here at the table. Right, right. Black man, Jewish man, yeah. German man. Here yeah. we are. Yeah. And if, if ever in American history, we we weren't an American people for whatever reason anybody believes. IQ, uh, social circumstance. A lot of black people talk about melanin, the, that, that the, genetic, uh, the, the genetic supremacy of black people is melanin, which is actually strange because now we're going to a climate narrative where mm -hmm. the sun is going to be damaging our skin because the ozone layer, and they're actually selling melanin for just as much as gold. They're actually... Yeah taking people there there's a market for the melanin in people's skin did wow. you know that did not know that it's weird times no. anyway that's not my point let's not <laughs> go on that tangent it's it's real though look into it if you're watching the it. times the, are weird the yes. times are getting weird they're <laughs> scraping melanin off people's but that's skin. just one way race is superior and others inferior rehash but my, 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 my point is that um for whatever reason that we weren't a, an american people before we certainly need to be now i don't think there's any yes. question Yes. That right now the times 
that the times call for us to band together. And it, it, the, if for nothing else, the establishment has shown that there is no previously held prejudice that they will stick to, to that will keep them from executing their final agenda. They're, they're, the, 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 the white man isn't protecting the white man because it's Donald Trump. The black bourgeoisie sellouts in Congress aren't protecting the black people from experimental vaccines or from big tech censorship or data mining or privacy violations. Uh, you know, the, 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 uh, the, Jew, the, the anti-Jews certainly, certainly aren't going to protect each and every single Jewish person in the country or in Israel, for that matter, from censorship or technocracy or, or social credit scores or, or whatever it is. All of these cultural wedges that we have the establishment doesn't hold. It's very clear. They, they are all systems go. Nothing impeding their, their progress down the field. And that's part of the reason why they're trampling on us. It's part of the reason they've trampled on us this far. Yeah. You know? Yeah, their ideology, the Soviet ideology was, uh, communist ideology was, uh, if you boil it down with respect to warfare on all fronts, think of people with um, <clears throat> bayonets on the end of a rifle. And they just keep pushing. And if they hit mush, mush, no resistance, they just keep pushing in that direction. And then when the steel comes down and they hit steel, they retreat and they change direction and they start pushing in that direction. And then if they hit steel, they retreat and go off in a different direction. That's right. It's a long-term strategy. And um, right now, there's no pushback and by we the people. And again, it's all about numbers. So I gauge our prospects of winning on one metric. What percentage of the 400,000 Republican party slots are getting filled? Mm. Is it increasing or not? Right now it's not increasing. That's not a good metric. If we get to the end of this year and we haven't made much of a bump up, in numbers, if we haven't gone from 200,000 to 300,000, at least, all bets are off. I don't know what's going to happen moving forward. But on the other hand, if we get to 300,000 instead of 200,000 like we have now, and all the new 100,000 are America firsters, pro-Trumpers, we're going to be in really good shape. If we get to 400,000, and then I have a graphic where I show a line out the door every month at a meeting where it's all Trumpers and America Firsters saying, I want to participate. I want to participate. If we get to that, we're going to win. Absolutely. What, what, what's, your diagnosis, what's your diagnosis of the subsets that exist right now in the Republican Party? Because my mind immediately goes to where is Ron and the Ron Paul people? Where are they? Where are the Ross Perot people and, and the Tea Party? Are these the people that became Trumpers and are in there now? Or are these people disaffected, disillusioned from the political process in the party, and they're kind of out there somewhere wandering around? There's a there's a small percentage of libertarians that are in the party, you know, pretending to be Republicans, but they're really libertarians. Mm -hmm. We know one I, of those people. Yes, I don't. We do. I don't know very many of the Ross Perot types that are are in the party because mm -hmm. most of them have passed away. I think. Okay. Um, and but the two major factions are. Are they that old? Are they? Yes, they I are. think so. I think so. Wow, really? Most most yeah, of I guess. most of them are well, like Pat Buchanan would be one. Ninety two, you know? but he's what is he? Ninety two now? Well, there was ninety two in this. Oh, okay. Oh, but how was, old is Pat Buchanan? Okay. So so, so 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 was there a failure? So what? So well, okay. Now my follow up question is, 
was there was there clearly a failure from these prominent conservative movements to pass on that? No, no. They were co-opted and crushed by the Uni Party because the Uni Party is controlling the, they're the gatekeepers. And, you know, the Tea Party movement is the perfect example here in Minnesota. These are people I've had a lot of interaction with. The Tea Party. The Tea Party movement in Minnesota is, now I'm not speaking about the individual member. So please, if you're in the Tea Party movement, please don't think I'm speaking about you specifically. But your leadership has been vicious with me. They're part of the Uni Party. They've been co-opted. It's, <clears throat> it's a day job now. The energy is not there. They're part of the machine. Mm. We have an authentic, you know, American citizens movement that is not yet co-opted, but they are trying to co-opt it. That's the whole point. I mean, they're trying to grind it into dust and it will require people to put in that. What did you say? 33 hours a month, three, three hours a month. I'm saying precinctstrategy.com. It yep. makes sense to say it again yep. right now and make sure people are going getting familiar with precinctstrategy.com. Yeah, I've got, and I've got everything that you need there. So first, the Donald Trump wants us to become precinct committeemen. He endorsed the strategy. He doesn't talk about it, but I wish he would. Steve Bannon has been a champion of this. Thank you, Steve Bannon, for having me on his program. You know, and uh, and then um, <clears throat> and then you scroll down a little bit and. The tutorial video for the communications and collaboration platform, it's 11 minutes. It's, it's Robert Beatles showing very quietly and, and logically how it all works. 11 minutes to learn how to use the site. You can always go back to it. It's on my site. Then Votify Now, the election integrity reporting tool and, and more is there. You can go to Votify Now, watch the promo videos. John Fredericks is promoting it now. Uh, we were talking about that earlier. <clears throat> it, it, it's fantastic. I know Johnny Vieira, the, the, the creator. How did I meet him? Well, Steve Bannon had me on. Steve Stern saw me. Steve Stern contacted me. Steve Stern said, hey, you got to meet this guy, Johnny Vieira. Votify now. That's how I met Johnny Vieira. Mm -hmm. You know, it's all these interconnections. And then saveyourrepublic.org. I just met that guy a couple of, couple of days ago. I was on Twitter. I saw SaveYourRepublic.org become a poll worker. I went to a site. It's beautiful. Now, why doesn't the RNC have this on their website where you click on your state, you drill down to your county or your township, however it works in that state, and boom, there it is. You want to become a poll worker? And we never have enough Republican poll workers. Mm -hmm. And the RNC doesn't care about that, yeah. okay? Um, and so that's at my site. Every, and then there's tutorial videos. I've got the video that explains how to boost turnout in your precinct. I did a narrated PowerPoint, 15 minutes. It works. So it's all at my site. So go to my site, spend an hour. If, if somebody spends an hour there, they're going to learn the basic American civics that I was taught in, in, in junior high. Mm. Way your back in your, and your uncle. No, no. In school, in public oh, okay. school, believe it or not. But your dad and uncle, right? But I, I learned it also from my dad and my uncles mm -hmm. and, and all of their cohorts. Mm -hmm. You know, I actually would go to city council meetings just to watch, you know, wow. and county board meetings just to watch and, and absorb it all. That's you know? fruitful. Yeah. At a young yeah. age? Yeah. Because like it was right a, there. Like a prodigy. It was right there in my hometown. So all I had to do was hop in the car with my dad my and mother, go watch my it. Mother, as a political prodigy. My yeah. mother was the same thing. My mother in 1967, when I was 
I was quite conscious then. She was the chairwoman of 47B in St. Paul. So I grew up in that kind of political environment, and I went to the precinct meetings, and that was on the Democrat side. It was a different Democrat party in 1967, but I was brought up in that kind of activism, and, uh, you know, it was very easy for me to re-engage with it because I understood really yeah, how it worked. Right, right, well, right. There was, a, there was a very prominent publication that I saw a while back that deemed precinct strategy as one of the most dangerous political strategies in the in, in Oh, there, was, in there have been several. Yeah. Oh, have there been? Oh, yeah, the New York Times did okay. a thing. I, the, think it, I think I saw Oh, it's been on MSNBC. I've uh, seen MSNBC. Public, uh, mm -hmm. BBC wanted to interview me. I, I just ignored you know, when the when the leftist media tries to approach me, I just ignore them. And I think and you that, should start doing them. Um, well, I don't want to educate the left. Well, I mean, they you know, know they they know yeah. anyway. What um, we're doing. But they're not do, they're not very good at it. The, the Democratic Party is in as no, bad I mean, or worse shape than our party. Is I mean, they're watching the us. They're watching us now. They know what we're. That's why they know yeah. about the precinct strategy, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, but, we want to. But we wanna... see, conservatives don't watch the and read their their crap. Um, so I don't want to educate them. You think not? I don't think so. Let's talk about that for a second. Because I seem to know a few Republican candidates that even ran here in Minnesota that are faithful listeners of a, a broadcast organization like NPR, which is raging liberal. Uh huh. I think that I think the the mass amount of liberal media is 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 gotten so big that many conservatives are listening. Maybe they're listening to liberal media and they don't realize it's liberal media. Yeah. Um, well, let me let me put it this way. Let's. I know the ProPublica piece. The guy Isaac Arnsdorf, who who did that mm -hmm. piece, and then mm -hmm. I think he did a follow up piece. He was interviewed on NPR, and that's still playing. But when it was first broadcast, I didn't see any bump in visits to my site at oh, okay. all. So okay. I I don't think there's the 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 conser well the Republicans who may not be conservative who listen to NPR. Mm -hmm. They too, they're, they're not. They're probably not going to be interested in it either. Other how than we, knowing how, it. How, how do we get this in the hands of a? Let, let's say, I mean, you know, there are a lot of conservative. You know, I'm I'm 100. I'm in a, a weird spot. You know, I'm almost so brash. I'm pushing the the, the needle so hard that many people are going to reject it on face value and circle back, just like they're doing with Trump. Right? Many people yeah. rejected Trump in 16, and then again in 20. And then now in 24, they're like, okay, finally we get it, right? So when you push that hard, you kind of have that effect. But there are plenty of conservative pundits out there that I think would, would make for a great litmus test on how committed they actually are to saving the country and how they're and maybe how they're just interested in their own celebrity. Like, can names that pop to mind, Candace Owens. I mean, Alex, Alex would gladly do it. I know because Alex is, is a G like that, Alex Jones. But even... Crowder. Yeah, uh, like, like the, the fellow named Schroyer who's on his Owen show. Oh, He's a PC, and I think I've been on Alex's program. He's an American Not, hero. You know they're trying to, you know what they're doing to him now? No. He's, he's under indictment. 120 days in jail, they asked for. Really? They asked to give him 120 days in jail wow. for speech, effectively speech crimes. Really? 120 wow, days in jail. I hadn't heard about that. Yeah, wow. that the document just, the, the, the court document just surfaced. Just surfaced. He was in Washington. I guess that was close enough. Yeah, yeah, right. I know it's ridiculous, isn't it? But so, but <laughs> yeah. 
So, yeah, if we could get Alex Jones to, to have me on and let me talk about the precinct committeeman strategy, well, I'll do show. it. I host. Next time I host, I'll, we'll have you come okay. on. Okay, I'll, I'll do it in a heartbeat. Cool. Um, yeah, what we need is, you know, I was thinking about it earlier when we were talking. One day I was on Bannon's War Room and I followed, I believe her name is Bianca Garcia. Mm. And she too was at in, in D.C. with, uh, mm -hmm. I think, the Proud Boys. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that she got indicted. Um, but anyways, she had a group, I believe it was La Texas Latinas for Trump. Now, it might have been Latinos for Trump, but I thought it was just Latinas. And she did, had a great talk and everything. And when I, and then I followed her and I said, I said to, I said, hey, that was a great guest you had, but you know what I really would have liked her organization to be? Latina precinct committee woman, women for Trump, Texas Latina precinct yes. chair it's precinct yes. chairs in texas there's a there's a new group called blacks for trump yes and there's another one with the n-word for trump and that yeah. caused a whole bunch of controversy yeah. and i was on some twitter spaces about that the other night just kind of listening and anyways <laughs> what what i we had a hoot about that me yeah. and jonathan yeah well yeah. anyways what yeah. i would would like it to be like you had a tweet about it as i remember blacks for trump is have it black precinct committee men for Trump. Yeah, it's never you know? going to happen. You yeah. know why? Just because people, the whole social media thing has has um, pulled, pulled the gravity of people's attention and their, their focus to the most, you know, we, we have an over-artistic society, you know, and, and all of us in a way are guilty in, in this sort of uh, denationalization of or devaluing of our citizenship in, citizenship in that way. It's like, what name's gonna look good on a piece of stationery? You know, like, what's gonna look good on a business card, right? And people put a lot of time and energy into that. And I'm not saying that's not a good thing, you know. Yeah. Advertising and and media is is an art and a business of it own of its own. Sure. But it, but what you're saying is, I want every one of those people to become a. It PC. has to be yeah. backed up by the grassroots action. Yeah. And and right now there's a huge void in conservative media all across the country that claims to want to save the country, but they're not helping push people to action. Right. But Tucker's another great one. Yep. I got to get Jason to call Tucker and say, hey, Tucker Tucker could drive people into the party on his own, all by himself. Oh, you yeah. know, Bruce, I want to say something that Dan and I have talked about, which is tragic, but true. You are the only candidate to date, unless things have changed, that has spoken about precinct strategy as part of your candidacy or part of your personal ministry as a politician in America at this time. Yeah. The only one. And you ask yourself, well, why is that? And the reason why is those candidates do not want to be responsible to precinct committeemen. The thing is tipped upside down. Right now, the party tells us to be loyal to the candidates. And we're supposed to go out and knock on doors and lick envelopes for people that when they get to Washington, support globalism. Eh, that's what it is. No, the candidates need to be loyal to a party ideology that's nationalist and have a, we need to have a nationalist party and there has to be a symbiotic relationship between the candidates and the party participants. And how we're gonna get there is when young candidates like Royce White motivate not just the voter, but the political activity and self-governance of the citizen. Right. And when you say 
the value of your citizenship, that's in effect what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, you maximize your citizenship value and power by becoming a precinct committee. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, yeah. it goes up like an order of magnitude. Yeah. Now yeah. you're in the game. Like I, you know, I said on Bannon's War Room, you're not just a, a donor to the party of your time and effort. You're, you become an owner of it. Yeah. You've got an, a stake in the game, a seat at the table at those monthly meetings where you can get resolutions passed. If you think that's a good idea, mm -hmm. you can change the bylaws. You can throw out a bad chairman. You know, it's majority rules in most committees. If you got a bad chairman, the precinct committee men get together and they make a motion. Majority vote, remove the chairman. In, according to our Arizona State Committee bylaws, <clears throat> we're going to have a meeting in January. Jeff DeWitt was elected this past January as our chair. Any state committeeman can go up to the microphone and make a motion to remove the chairman. And if a majority that day says, if there's a quorum, a majority of those who showed up in person or by proxy says, yeah, we don't want to do the chairman anymore. He's gone just like that. That's people. real political power. You, that's how you can change the RNC because he serves on the RNC. It's all about participation in the party and we're not doing it, but we got to. You see, you see the wheels turning behind yeah. my eyes. <laughs> yes, you know? I did. I'm, I'm young, I'm motivated. So, <laughs> you know, they have to come kill me, but listen, I want to, I want to switch directions sure. to the military piece because sure. one of the things that, is is coming to bear heavily on the elections again is the intelligence community and i know you said you did counterintelligence for the military that you can talk about in what capacity if, if you want to but but my my real question to you is um a tell me about how the intelligence community is either coalesced in their predation on American elections and American politics, or if they're fragmented and to kind of renegade groups with American politics. And, and then my, my point in asking is um, a lot of people have huge, huge cynicism towards elections because the scope of the intelligence community and them being, having shown a willingness to do what they did with the Hunter Biden laptop where the 58 yeah, right. intelligence officers signed on to say, signed that letter to say that the Hunter Biden laptop story was Russian disinformation. Yeah, but if you read the entire thing, they were really careful. You had to read the entire thing. You get to the mm -hmm. end and then it says, but we really don't know. <laughs> this is speculation on our part, you know, but nobody read that far. And then the headlines always said, well, they did it, they did it. And then they can all say, well, but you didn't read the whole thing. Yeah, but we didn't. It was very it was very but sly. Don't you, but don't yeah. But don't you think yeah. intelligence officers know that people oh, aren't going to read towards the end? Yes, absolutely. That's yeah. why they did it that way. Right. Of course. Right, right. Yeah. Of course. So I mean, yeah. but how pervasive is this piece, and how do we how do we rectify this piece? How powerful it's real, it's, are these people? Here's how you rectify it. Oh, they're very powerful. But here's how you rectify it. So what what are they trying to do now with our election system? Now remember the Constitution. There's two clauses in the Constitution. There's the elections clause that's article one section four clause one that's the one that says the state legislators have the power of electing the members of the house and the members of the senate 
Why, why is that in there? Because that was a big compromise. They're trying to create a federal government, a new government over the states, but and they're telling the people who they needed to get their permission to ratify it, yeah, we're going to have this government, but your state legislature has the power to run the elections for your representatives to the House and to the Senate. Okay, so no control by the federal government over the elections. And then the Electoral College was the other piece. Your Again, your state legislature is going to choose who the electors are. Eventually, it got to popular vote. The popular vote was going to determine that. Mm-hmm. That's uh, Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2. That's the electors the, the electors clause, the electoral college clause. Mm-hmm. Same thing. You, your state legislature determines that. We don't have any say in it. We at the federal government. Okay, so beautiful. We run the elections. Mm-hmm. But guess what they're doing? See, the reason they wanted to get the machines in there mm-hmm. and get them vulnerable to the internet is they can now say, well, see, if you're using the machines and they're connected to the internet, now it's part of the national information infrastructure. And the elections system, if you're connected to the internet in any way, we've now got jurisdiction over it because we have to protect it when in actuality they're trying to run it, okay? Mm -hmm. So how do you fix that? You get rid of the machines. You get rid of the machines, you, no machines. You go back to hand-counted, paper ballots, one-day election, mail-in ballots, only for military confirmed confirmed invalids, small, tiny little bit, and everybody has to show an ID. No connection to the Internet. That's, mm. how, you, that's how you fix it. It's that simple. Why aren't there? Why aren't there? Why aren't the Republicans in Arizona who have a uh, mm. majority in our House and a, ma- a majority in our Senate? Get rid of the machines. Why aren't they doing that? Why aren't they getting rid of the machines? Because they're in on it. Rhinos. Right. And so, what did they do instead? They passed a resolution telling our Secretary of State, who's a Soros Secretary of State, Adrian Fontes, we're passing a resolution telling you that. If you're going to use machines or software for the upcoming election of the U.S. Senator, senators and the U.S. House members, if you use machines, they have to be built in the United States and the software has to have been written in the United States and owned by U.S. companies. He just, he, they, they issued a resolution. It's not a law. It's not a command. And there's no penalty when you pass a law in order to be effective, it has to say, and if you violate this law, it's a felony or a misdemeanor or whatever. They left that part out. It's just a, a resolution. What did he do? Right after he read it, he went to the microphones and just laughed at them. I go, I'm not going to, this is just a resolution. I'm not following this. Thanks very much, but no thanks. I'm not going to, I'm not going to follow it. And, and he doesn't, and, and he and doesn't have to. the state is a, is a Democrat? Yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 And he just laughed at them. And I would have too, if I was him, because there's no teeth to it. What they needed to do was they needed to pass a law commanding him and telling him, and if you don't do this, it's a felony. 
and you go to jail. You've got to get rid of the machines completely, go back to hand-counted paper ballots, et cetera, for the federal elections. In order to do it for the state elections, the other elections, you got to get the governor to sign it. Well, we have a Democrat governor, Katie Hobbs, who will never sign that kind of legislation. So we're stuck. A fake governor. Fake governor. Yeah. Fake governor. Yeah. I, that, I talked about that recently, and you, you were there for the, uh, the Kerry Lake um, gubernatorial race, and it just it baffles me. And I, I, I hear what you're saying. Yep. I want to talk about the intelligence community on a, on, a, on a psychological mass formation psychosis type of level. Yeah. Because for some strange reason, people actually berate Carrie Lake for saying that this election is even in question let alone that she thinks it was rigged for her to lose, but that is even in question. And the margin was only 17,000 votes on record. Yeah. In a 6 million person, almost 6 million person race. I mean, 17,000 votes is not a lot of votes to have to fudge. I mean, you could bring 17,000 ballots but here's the problem. in one bag. <laughs> here's the problem with proving it. <clears throat> so I did a podcast about this, and I spoke at, about this in um, – South Carolina on, I think it was April, no, February 11th. I did a podcast on February 10 and February 11th. I made my presentation with a PowerPoint. You got the first, if you vote on election day in Arizona, that ballot goes into a machine. What happens inside that machine? Nobody knows. And nobody can know because there's a contract with Dominion and the other companies in each county that says, we run the machines and you can't look at our source code. It's proprietary and you signed a contract. So we don't even run our elections in, in, uh, in, in Arizona, the contractors do. So that's number one. Then if you vote by mail, it's worse. They can mail out ballots to anybody and everybody. It comes back in, in an envelope. It's got a scribble on it. Then, then the, the, Envelope gets set aside, and the ballot that was inside, what is what happens to it? It goes through a tabulator machine too, black box software. So when two results come out from black box machines, once that envelope gets separated from the ballot, you can't put them back together because it's a secret ballot. And same thing with the ones when you vote on, on election day. Once it goes through, you don't know what happened inside there. They could anything could have happened. And so they did a whole. Is it, is it conceivable? Is it conceivable to you that that when we say anything could have happened, and, and I'm definitely not shilling for Dominion. I think I think what Dominion did to, to um, Mike Lindell, what Dominion is doing to Mike Lindell is horrifying. What they did to Fox was even more horrifying. Yeah. yeah. And then in turn, what Fox did to seven hundred eighty-seven million dollars they gave Dominion to settle. Remember. Horrifying. Yeah, ridiculous. So I'm not shilling for Dominion, but yeah. is it conceivable that there are certain interested parties that can either manipulate a small group of people within Dominion's infrastructure to 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 fudge the numbers in well, each in, in each individual? Absolutely, place? that's yeah. what happened. But I, I say that you because know. yeah, because absolutely. The, 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 that's what I believe happened. The detractors, the detractors, always go to this counter argument that says you mean to tell me that everybody's in on it you know that's the that's the no not no the yeah dominion i believe the 
main players in Dominion, yeah, they, they can make that happen. I've read like Walter Doherty's expert report mm-hmm. from that he used uh, the cast vote records in a county in Georgia because we couldn't get him in Arizona. He couldn't get him in Arizona. I read that thing and I talked to him on the phone and the way he explained it to me, yeah, it's it's obvious the the there there was it was mathematically impossible for what happened inside those machines to have happened just by happenstance. It's it's just impossible. And he's a a, a pretty good expert witness on that subject. So it's it's sort of like Occam's razor. You know what what's the so you, you build a system, and and your system has source code inside it, software that nobody else can see but you, and you get to determine the outcome of the election with your machine, and because they can't see the software inside, there's no way to check what really happened on happened that day or over the course of those days inside those machines. Is it possible that the contractors were devious and actually jiggered the results? Well, yeah, of course it's possible. And if it is possible and the stakes are so high, isn't it logical that that's what they did? I think so. Whoa. And they've laughed about it. You know, you've seen the clips of them laughing about it. Eric Coomer, I think, was laughing about it. You know, yeah. no way in hell is Trump going to win. We're taking care of that. Don't worry. And then afterwards, he says, yeah, but I was just joking. Really? I don't think so. I don't even think you should be able yeah. to joke like yeah. that. Yeah, no, right, I mean, you, right. Can, you can joke like that, but yeah. if you say that the, the government's become tyrannical, you're seditious. I think that's pretty seditious yeah. to, to even joke yeah. about. Yeah. The, the other and see, and then the other But, thing, I mean, it is a country of free speech. We, you know, I mean, go ahead, joke about it. Yeah. But uh, and here, look, it's fine. I mean, we got to set the laws fair in each direction. Uh, equal application of the law. Yeah. If I can say that Joe Biden is a tyrant and that people should rise up and whatever. Okay. Free speech. If you want to joke about fixing the election, free speech. But what you can't do is then call me crazy for saying that the elections aren't secure. I mean, those two things just can't stand in the same right. in the same in the same uh ring. But you know the backdrop of this, and, and we all know this, the free and fair election mantra has been drilled into the psychology of the American citizen forever. It's the cornerstone of our democracy. So we have that as a judgment. The fear that the American citizen has of losing that as a fundamental, the fear. What does that mean if the elections are not free and fair? Oh, it means they're not free and fair. Well, there's, I think, a majority of people, numbers game, that can't make that step because it immures them and exposes them to a kind of danger and uncertainty that they cannot manage. I was one of those people. When vote fraud was eventually, uh, was initially written, um, I can't remember the authors, but the name of the book is Vote Fraud. Um, I, I think that's the name of it, Vote Fraud. I, I can get you the uh, the name. I read the book, and uh, it's very good, and uh, two brothers wrote it. And uh, just by, it's a great read. It's a great read. But I thought, no, vote scam. Vote scam is the name of the book, vote scam. And then after that, a, a woman, Bev Harris, got involved. And and she was in a, uh, um, I want to say it was an HBO documentary called Hacking Democracy. Mm. And, and she told her story about how she wrote 
read that book, got involved with those brothers, and then she carried the ball forward. And see, but way it was Diebold who had the initial big contracts all across the country. Well, they then went out of business, quote unquote, but they sold off all their assets to the an, uh, another company called, I think, Sequoia. And then Sequoia sold it all off to Dominion, ES&S, and Hart. And you got to, it's complex. It's a complex story. But the bottom line is this. They've been changing the outcome of these elections, if they want to, for decades. We got to get rid of the machines. We got to go back to hand-counted paper ballots. And if you have small precincts, you do it locally, it's our election. It's not the government's election. It's our election. Mm -hmm. Okay. We need to take ownership of it. But again, and the it takes, Secretary it takes of State participation. The, the take, Secretary of State is the final one that certifies the the official count. But again, in an election, in an election, and so you know, let's let's talk about this for a moment because this was a huge point of controversy in this first Republican debate that Fox held. Donald Trump didn't didn't uh, attend and participate, which I thought was the right move on his part. Um, but a huge point of controversy that Mike Pence brought up, who is just as horrifying as you could possibly imagine. Huge, I won't say a huge indictment. It is an indictment of Donald Trump. No, it's an indictment of the people around Donald Trump that Mike Pence made it through the vetting process to become the VP candidate. Yeah. yeah. Or Mike Pence is the most dishonest person in recent American history. One or the other. Yeah. Either way, still net same net result, right? Um, but it's it's you know the Secretary of State has tabulate the vote in a in a an election in an election culture where voting tabulation and tally is is always um after the clock strikes midnight um and and there are elections th th there are uh, votes that are in contention um it does make sense who who does have the final say on how, how you declare a winner I mean, I don't even think many Americans know how that process works. Yeah, and if in a perfect world, we we would be doing it like we used to do it. Small precincts, then they do the hand count right there in front of anybody who wants to watch. I costed it out. I, gave, I, I took a typical precinct, 1,000 voters to make the numbers easy. I And then how much would it cost if you had some high school kids come in with a three-person three team, an adult, volunteer, two high schoolers, 30 30, uh, 30 contests on a ballot, again, just to make the math easy. Uh, and it would take about three hours to do 1,000 ballots with uh, if every team got only 50 ballots. And the cost of that, if we paid them 15 bucks an hour for three hours, I've made it, again, worst casing it, it would cost $1.80 per ballot, a system like that, $1.80 per ballot and get it done easily in three hours. We n now instead, and again, it's all in my PowerPoint and in my graphics, we've got machines we have to pay for, either buy or lease, software we have to buy or lease. You have to have contract officers over the contracts for those two things. Then you have to train people. Then you have to have cables. You have to have electricity. You have to have 
big venues and then you and then because you centralize it all you have to have printers that can print out all sorts of different ballots instead of if you're in a small precinct where the ballots the same every for every voter there's no complexity whatsoever and you do this all in advance dollar 80 versus it must be it must be i would guesstimate $200 a ballot $100 a ballot the way we're doing it now that should be a selling point. And it was funny, John Fillmore, the representative in Arizona who had a great bill in the lead up to the 2020 to get rid of the machines. And then also after the 2020, which never got passed, I called him. He, he, he didn't, he didn't win in his, his, he didn't win the primary in 2022, but I called him and I said, Hey John, did you ever consider, did you do it like a cost benefit analysis between your bill and how much it would cost and how we're doing it now in Arizona in each county. Mm. And he went, no, we never did that. I go, why, why didn't you do that? Wouldn't you, shouldn't you have done that? Cause then it's, that's a great selling point to the taxpayers. We go back to hand counted paper ballots it's and then cheaper. see, and it's cheaper, grossly cheaper. And then what the best part of it is it engages those high school kids. Now the high school kids who are still in high school, they get to see how the sausage is made that one day on election day. They get to participate. That'll carry with them. Civic duty. Exactly, your mm -hmm. civic duty. See, those are that's like a term nobody uses anymore. I was taught it, civic responsibility, civic duty, civics itself. Well, now it's well now it's now it's global responsibility. Now, exactly, exactly, which, which tells is, you, which, which is tells ridiculous. You, which tells you yeah. what the what the move well, was. Well, that's yeah. the gatekeepers are controlling yeah. all the information. Yeah. yeah, and for the young people and manipulating it. Well, yeah, yeah. but for the well, young there is people, no, and this is the thing: there is no such thing as global citizenship. Right. Exactly. That's my going back to my point about borders: that you can't be a citizen of the entire world. It's arguable that you can't be a citizen of a country as big as the United States. Right. I mean, that's almost yeah. there's there's people who would argue that that you know that you need local real local government real autonomous local government you know yes. it's but oh, wait 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 that's the whole point of the precinct strategy yes, yes. that is what it is it's yes. the whole formation of how people think about governance is a pyramid we are taught that we have a presidency which has become an imperial presidency which is part of a global G20 or G7 group of countries that are kind of running the whole deal mm -hmm. and that all of our kin and view goes to national issues, international issues, internationalism. Mm -hmm. This is since Woodrow Wilson. That was a new thing that Woodrow Wilson introduced into the American experience was the idea of internationalism. He was the first globalist. Yeah, and, but, but in being an international, metropolitan, you know, affluent world traveler, uh, you lose sight of your own vote and your own local elections because what does it matter? But the it issue, doesn't even matter who gets elected because they're all, it matters to us. I'm not saying it doesn't matter, but I'm saying in their ideology, it doesn't matter who gets elected because all of you are going to come under the sword of whoever the biggest interested parties are that's the, in the idea. corporatocracy. Well, that's yeah. the idea. But, yeah. but, but, but my point, which I, I which has just, been Which has been effectively true. Yes, but and I, I want to finish ahead, yeah, go ahead. this. Yeah. You're running for Senate, okay? You, that, when you get that job, you're one of the 100 wise men. Okay, great. Fantastic. We need to elect school board 
county commissioners, mm. judges. Nobody even talks about the judges, and that's that's one of those walls. You know, we got our bayonet. We're pushing through. Whoop! We hit a steel wall. It's called the judiciary. Check out the curriculum at your average law school if you want to talk about a soft coup. A la Barack Obama. Damn. Student of Columbia Law School. I mean, really, we have that three. ain't a soft coup. Well, it's soft if nobody's paying attention. That's, a, that's no, about a hard as hard. coup is when the SS comes to your yeah, door yeah. and drags your ass out in the street okay, and shoots we'll, you. We'll say that that one with the law with the law uh, lawfare yeah. is about as hard of a soft coup that's as you can get. That's getting to that. That's the transitionary. <laughs> well, that's that's exactly that's right before they come. That's actually how the right? Nazis took over Germany. That's right. Doctors and lawyers. That's right. That's how they did it, and that's why started. these professionals you know I hate doctors are and so important. Well. <laughs> You're sitting with a lawyer. Just to, just to yeah. break, break your heart. Respectfully. They're not all bad. Respectfully. They're not all bad. <laughs> right, right. As a bad. general principle, the country has become overly litigious. Yes, exactly. Overly litigious and the doctor and, and overly reliant on modern and advancing medicine. Expertise. But yeah. we yes. can change this only from what you're saying is when the American citizens, act, you know, if they don't stand up, it's well, I think they're starting to stand up. It's, it's, a, it's a good thing. It, the, the tide is turning. We see that, and I know this, the trigger, the, the tripwire for me recently was Maui. Mm-hmm. Reason being is like, hey, it, every time we look at the elections, it's funny. You see Alaska and Hawaii kind of out there on the map, and we all kind of, you know, who cares what happens with Alaska and Hawaii? It could come to matter at any moment, but just culturally, you know, when you look at the map on, on election night, you know, Hawaii's over there, Alaska's over there. They got a couple electoral votes. Whatever. Not a big deal. The The big deal is always the big deal, right? The swing states. That's always the the focus of of elect, election coverage. Uh, and then, like, the, the, the sub-swing states, right? The Minnesota usually tilts Democrat, but you never know. In a given year, you could be, you know, 50-50. Um, and then you got states like Arizona. Again, another purple state. You never know more rhino in their, in their purple state, super rhino in our purple state, but um, yeah. Hawaii, Democrat to boot. Mm-hmm. The most Democrat. The most Democrat per capita. And guess what they're all calling for now? Investigations. Investigate, investigate, The investigate. best thing you can say about that is, is this the kind of governance you want to elect? Forget about the other, all the other, yeah. go yeah. down the rabbit yeah. hole. Yeah. What kind of, where's the competence really? right. of governance? No, no, but wait, this is what's, great about it they're not stopping there these people in lahaina that are not look i'm not from hawaii never been to hawaii i don't want to go to hawaii i'm not going to hawaii i'm just (laughs) (laughs) not going i'm not going i'm sorry i'm not going i'm i'm rarely getting on an airplane if i get on an airplane i'm not crossing the ocean i don't want to go that fast that's just me personally it's my my thing when i become president if i become president if God willing, I can become president one day. All these foreign leaders are coming to us. And that's yeah, how it should be yeah, anyway. Yeah, exactly. I'm not flying on these international, uh, you know, kumbayas to China. And, and you, you people come here. Right? There's some badass motorcades when you, it's you, President you, you, White. And yeah, with the technology yeah. now, why should you have to? Well, and and yeah. we have transparent govern, governance. Yeah. And everything should be on the internet. And well, everybody yeah. should be able to watch uh, Maybe there's just... There's some about shaking a man's hand in person. Yeah, of still. course, sure. But sure. I'm not flying to I'm not flying to China to bend the knee. You know, I, yeah. I think a lot of too. There's something about formality, yeah. and too much of our president, the willingness of our president, 
to be hogtied to some international flight schedule was the first herald of global, this globalist culture. Yeah. You know, we're here at home. We're getting things done here at home. I don't have time to come fly to summits and address the World Economic Forum. I don't want to talk to you people, right? It, I'm, I'm not trying to convince you. Part of that is becoming self-sufficient as a nation, which is what our next few presidents have to do anyway. And, and look, we can collaborate with our with with our national, you know, our international sure. allies. That's fine. Collaboration is fine. But this idea that we are in uh, that our success is intrinsically tied to everybody else's success is just it's it's just a it is a, um, a hamstring communism. It's communism. Yeah, it, it's intentional for America because we are actually one of the few countries in the world that could be um, self sufficient in a in a in a very um, in a in a future changing way for the species, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. You know, there are some countries that could survive, but can they lead? No, America could actually be self sufficient and lead. Yeah, and absolutely. we could tackle whatever these issues are. That's that whole the shining city on the hill. There you go. Let's be the best example of free there enterprise and self governance. Self governance. That, that doesn't mean that our president can go fly to China every month and a right. half or a vice president. But we got to look at how these people think about things. They have no borders. Right. That's the yep, bottom. Right, there's right. no there's no separation between us and China in their mind. In right. their mind. We're right. one right. nation we're, jockeying for position of there's our There's no nation. Right. We're one global economic and surveillance system. That's what it is. And the individual actors we're data. We're not citizens. We're data to be mined and to be managed. And this is just something we've agreed to. And the question for me is, will enough people wake up in the numbers game and say, hey, I'm a child of God and I'm an American citizen. I am not data and I'm going to get involved. But this is what I was saying about Lahaina. I got sidetracked. But don't you think that the incompetence of this at best regime will will reach a level where people just by default are going that's what i see happening with hawaii and lahaina these people are democrats yep i don't know how the politics really shake out in lahaina i don't know if there's you know these people that just happen to be stepping up in these city town meetings are republicans for whatever reason or conservatives but they're people who seem to have a profound sense of spirituality Mm-hmm. They seem to have a profound sense of ownership and their own pride in their local, their local, you know, uh, uh, homes, right? And 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 the land that they this is our land. This was our land. We're talking about the natives. We're talking about the people there in Lahaina. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, Lahaina was formerly the capital of the Kingdom of Hawaii. Mm-hmm. So the people that are there have a traditional sense going back hundreds of years of independence, identity, culture. They have an identity, and that. This has triggered that for them. There, uh, there is a, oh, it's native a Hawaiian culture. Yeah. They might be, they might have been Democrat for the benefits, but the benefits are kind of on a diminishing return now. But for everybody, so my question to you is: precinct strategy gets up and running, gets booming. We we got huge movement there, huge support, huge momentum. Um, people all across the with alternative media. Right, yeah. and that that starts to starts to become more and more prominent, which it is, which it is. I told people, I told Jason a month back, 
you have no idea how popular Andrew Tate is. Mm. Andrew Tate is extremely popular, especially with young people. Yep. He's, he's extremely popular. Yeah, my kids know who he is. You, you cannot stop when you don't want you unlock. Jordan Peterson, same Jordan thing. Peterson's extremely popular. Yep. Much more popular than Sean Hannity. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. not even close. Yeah. Yeah, Sean Hannity couldn't fit. If Sean Hannity came and tried to charge people $100 to speak at an auditorium, the the ticket people, the 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 promoters would laugh him out of the room. Mm-hmm. He can't do it. Jordan Peterson did a Live Nation tour all across the country and sells out two months in advance. Okay, these people are wildly popular. So let's say alternative media starts to take take root. What's the hell Mary play for the establishment to maintain power? Uh, What's the desperation they're willing to go to that you see? Uh, they're doing it already. They're trying to uh, change bylaws at the state level to shut people out, change the rules so that, for example, oh, before it was all you had to do to become a precinct committeeman in a particular state is you had to show that you were a registered Republican for six months. Well, in Florida, they changed it. They got with, together with the Democrats. They changed it. Oh, now you have to have been a registered Republican in Florida, not in some other state. You have to have resided in Florida for an entire year and been a Republican for an entire year. That'll shut out a whole bunch of potential new precinct I do want to say They're that, doing stuff like that. that. Those, are the hell, those are the subtle yeah. Hail no, Marys. These are not that, Hail Mary. No, no. These are not Hail Marys. No, this is just the brass tax game of politics where the people that control the rules are tilting the rules, so we have to walk uphill, like in in, in my area. Here's what happened yeah. in my area. But, my, but, but wait, my... but wait. It is a level of desperation. No, they're no, not no. desperate. No, no, no. It, no. To oh, a, no. To, Some of them see what's coming. No, no. To yes. an otherwise well-knowing populace of citizens that understand their own civic duty and the game that the way it's played, like is explained in this book. It's a pure numbers game. If we get if, enough... If the... If, if, people were playing the game the way Dan Schultz is playing the game, which is what they assume by out of safety. It is desperate to go in and blatantly change. They're getting out in front of a problem. Yes. But what Dan said was the numbers are not ticking up sufficiently. That's the importance of your they, they are in some. They are in some states sufficiently to, for example, throw out a rhino chair and replace them with a conservative North Dakota, chair. North for example. North Dakota, Michigan, uh, the great Colorado, yes, Co- Colorado, We're Kansas, having success. We're having Nebraska, there's states, uh, Rhode Island, there's states, Delaware, there's states we, all around the country where good things are happening. And it's not because we filled up all the slots, we filled up enough to change it hierarchy. so that the mm-hmm. majority now of the voters in the party hierarchy are America first. There is, That's what we have to do. There's progress. I don't see desperation yet. What I see is a very coordinated, top-down strategy to make it more difficult or to prevent American citizens from entering the political process, a la the precinct strategy. Let me give you a perfect example. My committee. Mm-hmm. My committee was split 50-50. And I was sitting around at home one day, and I get a phone call, and all the globalists on my committee resigned on the same day. Of course, that was about me, but what they said was, we're not going to get involved with supporting these Trump people. We're, not, we're getting out. And I thought, oh, Terrific. What a, that's what I thought at <laughs> yeah. first. What I thought after a few days of thinking about it yeah. was, whoa, 
as long as we're 50-50, all we got to do is lob bricks at each other and nothing needs to happen because we're split. Now they've just set up my committee, which I'm very important on. Well, first of all, we have to govern, we have to win, mm -hmm. and we have to run by ourselves at half staff all of the party functions, sure. which they've done that just to tie up our energy. And then they resigned off another committee, and they resigned off of another committee. They're not resigning. They're fading away into the jungle where they're doing their thing. They're getting their delegates together. Yeah. So what I'm going to say to you is, candidate Royce White, we need 10,000 new Minnesota American citizens to flood into caucus. And then there's no reason to fight with anybody because the fight's over. Yeah, what you do is you get, you've got to get in every county <clears throat> identified who the America Firsters are mm -hmm. and then get them on a communications platform. And we have one now that Robert Beatles gave us and get them to start communicating with one another. And then there's a, there, there are words that conservatives are not very good at using. Words like strategy, <laughs> uh, words like victory, words like winning, <laughs> words like organizing, uniting. That's, those, those are, are the communist words. Yeah, those are the things we have to do. Those are community yeah. organizer Think words. Think like your enemy. Ex oh, exactly. Remember when I started walking around and I realized I was a community organizer? I said, I know what that means Yes, now. right. I didn't know what it meant. Yeah. All of a sudden I realized we're organizing ministry. That's why one of the reasons Dan's here for you, but he's also here because he sees that there is a significant organization yeah. that extends far beyond the two of us to very successful, organized, motivated people, they're organizing the state. Now, my statement to all of the people that are with us is, victory. It doesn't matter that we all got together and we had an idea. We've got to implement the strategy. We have a strategy. Our strategy here, for all the people in Minnesota, you can go to Royce White's X or his Getter account or any of the places on social media. He's ubiquitous. YouTube. There's shorts and clips of Royce there for you to download and send that out to all the people you know and that you love and ask them to send it out. Professor Penn Podcast, go to my social media. Go to Dan's social media. Go get these clips. We need to form an underground communications network, no different than the French resistance. It's right. the exact same thing. Right. And you're saying that with the communication platforms that Robert Beatles, that Beatles has built, built for us. Which it's, is great. It's, we it's, should it's look just at don't give, don't, don't, give, don't give the fucking French this much credit. <laughs> you know, I don't, you know, I got to, I don't trust the French. In fact, I, I really, I, I said, I know what you're saying. I'm being funny. <laughs> I was funny with the other. You're hundred percent right. No, it's just the model that people erected to use. It's a great model of citizens working to overcome yeah. in that case. And I like to do this in my podcast because it's hard for them to deplatform a Jew talking about Nazis. To end a philosophy that holds one race superior and another inferior, no matter how it's morphed into a bunch of technocratic experts that look down on all the rest of us, however that philosophy is going to be defeated, it has to be defeated, or it will kill us. That's my opinion about it. And it starts with communication. That's why you set up that platform. Yeah. We need the people listening to start to go get your shorts and your clips and ours, 
Dan Schultz, David Penn, Professor Penn, and get this stuff out into the citizenry because we're going to share part of our strategy is we're going to share with Minnesotans how they get in the game of politics. Absolutely, right. They're going right. to, because what happens is a guy like me, I came into the party. Well, first of all, I had a pound on the door for four months before anybody called me because they knew I was probably a nationalist. Because guess what? There's no more silk stocking Republicans. Their quiver is empty. There's no more. There's no more. What do you mean? There's no more Mitt Romney's. I mean, there's no more of these people. All the people that believe in globalism, that are faithless, that are in it for the money and for their own narcissistic needs, they're already in the party. It's the American citizens that have families <laughs> and children yeah. and go to church. Yeah. They're the ones that need to recognize that it's their country. Right. A lot, and, of, a lot of people who used to be Democrats. Yes. I see it more and more every day. A lot of people used to be Democrat. A lot of people who still consider themselves Democrats, but are just saying, look, I'm not like the black young black guy who, who I posted the video of. Oh, now, he was great. Now it's up to, I think, 1.3 million people seen it. Unbelievable. And he just goes straight, straight, brash, smash mouth. I dare you. Smash mouth, uh, righteous indignation. Fantastic. Profanity. If you want to fuck around and find out, Try and make us take something. Try and create something to where we have to take it. If you want to take it, knock yourself out. But you're not going to make all of us take it. Right. Unbelievable. And, you know, it, it, this, you know, I can, not a, not a Republican. And obviously a very <laughs> intelligent man. Yeah. Very intelligent. I, I thought it was a great clip. And I, I, what there's I did. People like, there's people like that all over the neighborhood oh, in Minnesota. Oh, yeah. In Minnesota alone, there are black voters. And this is why, you know, Steve has been great to, uh, to, to emphasize the need for black and Latino men, black and Hispanic men, working class men to help save the republic, I think is vital. Especially if you say in a place like Arizona, 17,000 votes are going to decide the gubernatorial race. Right. I mean, I think people, I think people have underestimated how important governor's races actually are at a time when Absolutely. the federal government's out of control. Absolutely. Right? The, right. the, the governor kind of just gets swept up into the whole grandiose global federal government thing too. Yep. Um, what, 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 what would you say in turn, because I, I trust your political acumen, what, what would you say, um, let's say Trump wins. Let's say the precinct strategy is successful. Prevails. Prevails. We win. What are some things we could do on day one of Trump's administration mm -hmm to ensure that four years later we don't fall into the same deal when he's no longer on the field? Well, um, <clears throat> dismantle like the Department of Education and take all that money and give it back to the states with instructions that, you know, it'd be really great if you started teaching civics again in seventh and eighth grade and, and in high school. That'd be one thing. Mandatory. Civics. Yeah. Civics, right, exactly. Um, then, of course, uh, go back to the what it was when Trump took office originally. He got us out of the WEF. He told the WHO to go take a hike. He got out of he he got rid of uh, all of these uh, bad trade deals. We, need to, we got a good we got to disengage from all of that stuff. Um, and then I'd have like the line and block chart of the federal government and every agency that is not constitutional. Just X them out. FBI, gone. It doesn't do anything except oppress us. Um, Department of Justice, 
it's it's not constitutional. Get rid of it. Get rid of the entire thing. Um, and on and on and on. Just go through them all. And, okay, maybe you'd want to be a nice guy and say, okay, we're going to do it over a four-year period. You lose 25% of your budget the first year, another 25% the next. And by the time I leave office at the end of my second term, they're all zeroed out. So you're just not like throwing people out on the street. And then start taking all these senior executive service deep staters and reassign them to like pencil sharpening duty. You know, you go report to this room, you don't have a phone, you don't have, all you got is a desk and a chair and a box of pencils and a pencil sharpener. That's, that's your new assignment because you're not going to do, be doing what you're doing anymore. So we should clean house. Completely. Who, we've who, got to clean house. Who, that's who, all. Who's the biggest threat to them in cleaning house? All uh, of them. Um, <laughs> all it's, of them. It's, it's, it's right now, it's uh, 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 Kevin McCarthy and, and Mitch McConnell. Those are, those are two biggest threats. So hopefully, you know. No, let's say he gets in. Yeah. I'm saying he's sitting in the seat. Yeah. Yeah. He's got, he's got, he's got his team around him. Right. And then he's got the Joint Chiefs. Mm -hmm. He's got a Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. He's got the administrative, you know, the, the the administrative states, the the heads of all these agencies. Yeah. He's got the the intelligence community. Who's threat numero uno? Who who does he as huh. an ex military man counterintelligence? Who does he set in place to make sure that none of these highly skilled, highly trained people slither their way back in or railroad them or you know. It, it, who is it? Who who is it? The, I mean, the Secret Service. You know, it's like the Secret Service. Yeah, they'll protect them. Okay. Yeah. We would hope. We would hope. Right. We would hope. Right. Right. Okay. You mean, yeah. And who do you go to? Me and David always say, if I go, I'm getting my own Secret Service. I'm not taking theirs. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can't be. Sh and I'm not indicting the Secret Service. Sure. Because that could definitely get you brought in. I guess. <laughs> Talk about Secret Service. They got a la carte to do what they want. Yeah. But but I'm saying. I mean, we are at that time in American history. Yeah. When I see a, a, a Milley, General Milley, go and have yeah. a subversive conversation with right. China on right. the record right. that, that completely undermines the commander-in-chief, I mean, Milley's as high up as they get. Yeah. So who's, no, the, who's the number one threat? I don't know. Mm. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I, I've got to cross my fingers and hope and pray that there's people around him who can tell him the answers that question. So who, oh, who's, who's, who's numero one? One thing worst. we know about a six trillion dollar budget, four trillion military industrial complex, medical industrial complex, and wrapped into that is what's going on in the colleges and universities. Hey, there's broad bipartisan support about, about that four trillion. And they're going to fight to keep that. And that's what the fight's really about. If you had a nationalist president, now we're no longer fighting about globalism or nationalism. Now we're just fighting about the dog bowl. The split. Don't take yes, don't take my dog bowl away. But are you gonna ask me what I would like to you didn't ask me, and I'm gonna say what yeah. I want to see happen. Go ahead, yeah. Because I am a participant in this. Mm -hmm. And this administration is horrifying to the working man and to the independent shopkeeper. They're destroying the freedom that comes with being self-employed. They don't want it. And the first thing I would like to see a nationalist president do is reverse the policies that are destroying economic freedom. Mm. I, it's terrible. I mean, it is the most 
horrifying, and I read the Federal Register every day. I, I read it. I mean, I actually will read it. And anybody, you know it. There's a place where any American citizen can go. It's called federalregister.gov. Instead of watching Instagram for 10 hours, take an hour and go read the Federal Register. Now, that's the news that matters. The rest of it is kind of entertainment. And I'm not saying they don't BS in there, but you're getting down to the bone in the Federal Register. And I read that every day. And every day, they're just tearing the wings off of somebody just like me. Just in the last month, because I know something about tires, there's a handful, a handful of people that import tires produced in Thailand, 90% of which are produced by Chinese companies that went down into Thailand to avoid duties that President Trump imposed mm -hmm. on China. They went down into Thailand, which they have the right to do. Anti-dumping was then imposed on Thailand, and they lowered the rates, and they gave back a handful of importers. I mean, like 10 people that I know by name and face, some of them are my, you know, I know them well, maybe three, 400 million to individuals. Like if I was participating in this, I could have got 50 million bucks. I don't participate in it. I don't. I don't by choice. I don't do it. Mm. Now, that makes me kind of an outlier. Most people will take the money. I made myself poor by not taking that. But for our government at this time, with this kind of economic condition, to lower the tax on imported product and give back three, $400 million to people that are bringing it in, it doesn't have anything to do with America as a nation. It is not a strategy that is supported, supportive of a country called the United States of America. And that's what I think Peter Navarro and Donald Trump brought to the party. So, and it's gone. Their efforts to restore the American supply chain have been completely overturned. Okay, but now, now so if you have to pay to play, if it's going to be a dog bowl fight, a jump ball for a dog bowl, if you have to pay to play, how does a president have the, how, how, in what ways would the president be empowered or a president be empowered to pay anybody he needs to pay to stay alive long enough to change this stuff? Is that, a, is that an element of it? Is that what we're talking the about? The executive branch is run by the president of the United States. He has broad imperial powers, which have developed over 100 years, which I don't think are constitutional or correct. But whoever is going to get elected in 2024 mm -hmm. has the power to run those executive agencies. And the... Um, higher fire. Higher fire policy. I mean, the, the thing is just run by, an, by a king. The whole point of our government was we don't want a king. Yeah. We're not having it. We got a king. Right now it's King Biden. Look at it. He's doing whatever he wants to do. No pushback yet. He will go and the, the globalist party. Well, he's getting pushed back now. They're planning to take him out. They're setting that up on. It sure seems to be. Yeah, for sure. They're getting yeah. him out of there. But uh, again, the other thing that we need is not only do we have to reelect Donald Trump, but we have to elect new America first members of the House and the Senate. Mm -hmm. And we can do that through the precinct committeeman strategy. It's That's our right. only shot. Right. So think of, think of this pie chart. I, I use pie charts to show the strength of the party. You draw a circle right down the middle. Half is completely vacant. The other half, half are 
moderates, half are conservatives. If the conservatives all quit, because precinct committeemen are the party. If there's no precinct committeemen, there's no party. If all the America Firsters just said, like if I sent a piece of paper to my county chair, I quit. I don't want to be a precinct committeeman. And every, and everybody else, all 100,000, left the party. Well, now the RNC is completely globalist, completely moderate. We don't want that to happen. What, what we want to happen instead is we fill up those 200,000 vacancies with 200,000 America Firsters. Now we have a 75% voting majority moving forward. Trump gets 75% of the state convention delegates, which means he's going to get all of the national convention delegates. There'll be no backroom dealing at the, at the convention mm. among the states because in every state, 75% of the, their national convention delegates will be Trump delegates what, what or all of them what dan is saying so that's dan, what we got to do we got to get united in the party dan is so soft about this let me use a hammer again the globalists are so committed to donald trump not being president again forget about all the legal stuff which he's got to get through which is a mountain to climb and the media stuff which is a mountain to climb and big tech which is a mountain the biggest mountain to climb he's got to get by the rnc they're willing to split the party enforce a third party oh yeah sure to break this yeah. coalition of alleged republicans to keep him out of office i mean this is a long trek in here and what makes it a shorter road is if we had a hundred royce whites rolling in to run all that's why dan's here we need a we need somebody like you in every state yeah. at least one if not ten yeah in every race for the u.s house in the U.S. Senate, we need a Royce White to be like um, a, a, a beacon for the Trumpers. And we've got to get better advisors to Trump and tell him to stop endorsing these incumbent rhinos. You know, he endorsed Paul Ryan. You know, he did things like that. He, buried Mitch, he, ba he bailed Mitch McConnell out. Yes, same thing, which was dumb. Dumb. And whoever it was advising him, I don't know who it was, it's, but it was dumb. But but <laughs> somebody was doing it. But somebody that, did. No, no. Yeah. But that's the but it was same, a, it was obviously a part of a broad strategy. It's the same thing we run to, into at every meeting. The plea. Okay, for let, unity, let, let me let me the ask. plea for unity. Let, let me let me ask. Okay. It wouldn't have been my strategy. No, that was a. It was yeah. well, obviously yeah. backfired. Yeah. Proof is in the pudding there. Yeah. Yeah. The question is. What 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 possibly was the I mean what what was the what was the strategy there? Does anybody have an idea? The plea for unity, unity, the natural human. So it was impulse. Donald Trump going back to the party capos, right? The party captains. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you an ex I'll give you an example. <clears throat> I won't I won't I won't spill the beans completely here. I'll do that off okay. mic. I think I've told you the story already, but. Traditionally, when a new Republican replaces a Democrat in the presidency, the RNC would go hat in hand to the president and say, Mr. President, <clears throat> we have we're going to have an election in January of a new chairman. Do you have anybody that you'd like to have chairman? Because the RNC rules state that anybody can be the elected the RNC chair. You don't have to be a member of the RNC. You don't even have to be a Republican. And if Donald Trump would have said, yeah, I want that guy Dan Schultz to be 
the new RNC. I just met this guy through Steve Bannon. He's going to revamp the RNC. I want him to be it. They would have elected me. But nobody, and then Donald Trump would have said, because I know that the reason you came here is because tradition, and he would have known. Nobody told him that. Nobody told him how the party worked. Including David Bossie, okay, who is the, was the uh, national committeeman from Maryland, worked on Capitol Hill for years and years and years. And there's another person who couldn't have told him because he didn't know oh, how that, it worked. He's holding back. Yeah, I'm holding the back. The level back. of lack yeah. of knowledge yeah. mm-hmm. or yeah. lying it's that criminal. is associ- it's, 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 it's intentional. Not, it's not, it had to be intentional. No, it wasn't intentional in every case. I'll tell you off okay. line. I'll okay. tell you okay. off line. Okay. No, people you just, start. people hey, just, hey, yeah. ignorant yeah. or in on it to yeah. me, I'm, right. I'm the, the, I'm the hatchet is the same. Yeah. I'm the hatchet. Be careful where you pull that hatchet out. But here, No, I'm not going to be careful. Okay. I'm going to swing away. But I, but what I, let the, let the honorable and true be protected. Yeah. Okay. But what I what I was saying was traditionally they'd come to the new president. Mm-hmm. They didn't come to the new president because they knew that the he people, the insiders, that nobody had told him this. So they never came to him. So they elected Ronna Romney McDaniel. And then after the fact, he said, oh, Ronna Romney, yeah, she did a great job for us in Michigan. Dan, Dan is protecting the names of those we know and love. Mm-hmm. because the lack of knowledge of how the secret society called the RNC works. The way works, the party works. It's a secret yeah. society. It has all the signs and signatories of a secret society. Yeah. Well, and, it's and, an it's, o- and it's an open secret. That's the well, good news. Well, yeah, but that, yeah. and it, look, it's not, it's not really an open indictment of, uh, look, if it's me, off the record, I'm saying everybody was in on it because you have to assume that because that's how dire the situation is. Every, all of you were in on it. Sorry. Respectfully, I even if you weren't in on it, we're not hanging you anyway. We're not executing you, but your level of incompetence is such that we no longer can have you in charge of said thing. Okay. On the record, I'm not saying that all these people had the competence to know what was going on, in 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 earnest, because the country's the, the Donald Trump movement rose so quick, yep. and the momentum and energy was so quick that it makes perfect sense people would come on board who had genuine ambition, genuine uh, genuine uh, enthusiasm, or, or some level of expertise around a given thing that were trying to aid and assist Donald Trump who probably didn't see that blind spot. So I'm willing to accept that going into this time. Now, we all saw it, though, the first time. We all saw it, right? Right. Okay, so now this time. We got to learn from the mistakes. I mean, you get one, yeah. you get one mulligan. Right. Now, this time, we got to make some... We have to leave the table with the joint awareness that it's about the individual American citizen self-governing. None of it works otherwise. We're way down... We're right. so far down the road, there's no half measures, there's no yeah. workarounds, there's no hoping, yeah. there's no wannabes. If the American citizens... Because it's... Go- yeah. You know, you I'll, said we can pull it back. Yeah. I'm saying it's gone. It's going to take a kind of a, almost as, I like to leave open the door for supernatural intervention. This is going to take a miracle now because the American people have essentially acquiesced to servitude. Spiritually, they have. Spiritually. Yeah, I heard on a Twitter space the other night, I talked about it in my podcast, I think yesterday or the day before. Um, Some guy was saying on Twitter space, he was making this plea. Well, everybody keeps 
we're, we're talking about all of the issues. We're talking about all of the issues, but, but nothing gets changed. Well, yeah, that's the point. <laughs> all you're doing is talking about issues. <laughs> you're not going to change the minds of the people who are already in the game. You got to replace them. Yes. The only way to change what's going on is to change out the people who are lording it over us, who are instead of, um, and I got another pet peeve. They're not serving us. I got another pet peeve about the Republican Party and the committees and the officers. They call they like to call themselves the leaders. Like I'm the leader, and they'll actually have on their website the leaders, the chairman and all the first vice chair. They're not leaders. Public servants. They're servants of the real leaders. The real leaders are the individual Americans who are attempting to self-govern themselves through politics and the political party structures by becoming a precinct committeeman to elect people to serve them in the party apparatus all the way up to the RNC. Can, can I, before we get going, yeah. I just want to say, because there's a spiritual element of this that is not spoken about because self-governance has been besmirched by expert people who happen to be evil at this. You know, evil and expert, hey, that's, that's, a, tough, that's a tough challenge, right? They've made politics into a miserable, draining, unfun thing. Actually, you know, we all are born, we're very narcissistic when we're young, and as we get older, we become hopefully become more altruistic. People that get involved and practice their self-governance and become public servants, that action of moving towards altruism, for anybody that's listening or watching and is plagued by some of the decisions they've made in their life previously, They've hurt people. They're they're confounded with guilt or suffering. All you, you know, all, all a person has to do is get involved in altruism of serving the people, and their sins will go away. Mm. That's the beautiful part of being involved in American self governance. It's a very spiritual experience, and we don't teach that. That's the basic civics of seventh grade. Yeah, that we have to build back in with the spiritual component. It's not just a materialist component. It's a way for people to become more well. It's a path of well-being. I know for myself, I'm a much healthier and happier person. I'm a much poorer person. I mean, my money, but who cares? I'm working to save the greatest idea in world history, yes. self-governance in the United States of America. Right. I'm not saying the country's the greatest. I'm saying the ideas that the founding fathers left to me are so compelling, I would gladly give up anything to see those ideas be maintained in world history. And that's history. what the founding fathers did as well when they signed the Declaration of Independence. That's essentially what they said in the Declaration. These ideas are so paramount to us. In order to be human, we have to live like this, and we're willing to die to make sure everybody else can live like this. Self-evident. Yeah, self-evident. It's such a wonderfully healing path. So for the people that are contemplating getting involved because of, you know, really the the path that Dan opened, I think started in when, 2011? I got I became a PC in 2007. I And then in 2009, after Barack Hussein Obama, the avowed Marxist, became our president, I decided I got to do something. Mm -hmm. So I started my website. It was called something else then. Then I wrote the book. But I just started recruiting and recruiting, writing article after article after article at redstate.com as Cold Warrior at redstate.com. 
And then uh, eventually I, I met Steve Bannon in 2010. And he let me write some articles at Breitbart.com in uh, two, 2013, 2015, and 2016. In 2015 and 2016, I was writing like an article every two weeks. It was always the same article. Become a precinct committeeman, become a delegate, get involved in, you know, trying to be educational in every article. Donald Trump, if you want to win the presidency, you got to recruit precinct committeemen. You got to get delegates. You know, this is what you ought to say to the groups. You know, all of my articles were like that. And um, now, after he didn't get reelected, and we know that the election was stolen, now people are finally stepping up to the plate a little bit but not enough. And so that's why I came here today to push this well, as much as possible. We thank you for your, your service, brother. We thank you for being here. We hope you'll come back soon. You're right yeah. there in Wisconsin. We're going to start a podcast here at the big table called the White House, which is going to be a fun one. Well, it's going to be all political strategy. Oh, it's going to be hard, knocked out policy Excellent. right on the list. This thing, this thing, this thing, what would you do? What would, you know, in the right. little group of people who are going to do that, but, but we appreciate your service. Are, are, are you going to wrap up one thing before you wrap? Okay. Say, caucuses in Minnesota are on February 27th, yes. 2024. Yes. Go to the social media sites, pull down the shorts and clips, form that educational informational network, get to the Senate campaign website, come to us, let us know you're interested in being a Royce white delegate, which would make you a Donald Trump delegate simultaneously yes, right. yes, it would it'd be a slate of candidates that we're going to help everybody identify become a precinct delegate a senate district delegate go to the state convention we're going to be there we're going to have a great time we need ten thousand minnesotans to enter in and then in minnesota there's no more fighting we're going to go about governing right right tell us the book again how to get into the real ball game of politics where you live to help President Donald J. Trump make America great again. <laughs> I love <laughs> Very that. Very catchy. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, we appreciate you being here again. Uh, we thank you, you for the time. Thanks for it having me. It was incredible. Um, your work. I want everybody out there again, theprecinctstrategy.com. Go to the website. Stay there for a while. Understand. It's just precinctstrategy.com. Precinctstrategy.com. Take the the out. I think there is a the precinctstrategy.com, but it it goes somewhere that I, I don't know. That's who much that better. Is. Your website yeah. name is yeah. much better. Yeah. Precinctstrategy.com. Yeah. To learn about the precinct strategy. Exactly. And how we can save the country. We appreciate Dan Schultz. We appreciate our War Room audience. We appreciate Absolutely. the team over. Royce White for Senate dot. Not ready yet, but. It's coming. It's coming. Well, it's this is way. called a tease. It's it's on the way. Um, appreciate the War Room audience, the War Room, great Steve Bannon, Maureen Bannon, Grace Chong for streaming the podcast every night to the, the Die Hard America First War Room posse. Um, we appreciate all the viewers and listeners all around the world, both on the audio platforms, on the video platforms. We're available on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google Play, iHeartRadio, also on Rumble. You can find us on band.video, the great Alex Jones' platform. We want to thank Dan Schultz again. I hope you all will go follow him. I think it's Precinct Strategy on Twitter um, and Getter as well. Yeah, what am I on on Twitter? I think uh, it's Precinct Strategy. If you put in Precinct Strategy, yeah, if you put up. in Precinct Strategy on Twitter, it'll pop You'll up. I think it. I'm I think I'm 
at Dan Schultz, the number two on Twitter. We're going to get the precinct yeah. strategy social yeah. media revamped here. Yeah. We got to make it yeah. very, very simple yeah. for people. At the to hit get factory. The We're at the, the hit, hit factory. That's right. All We're right. the hit factory. Right. Yeah. Okay. Right. So. Um, Professor Penn Podcast, please. Professor Penn Podcast. You guys know you should be subscribed there already. I'm Dan Schultz on Truth Social, and I'm Dan Schultz on Getter. Where's your Good. Where's your podcast going up? My podcast podcast goes to Rumble.com. If you go to Rumble.com and put in the word precinct and do a search, and then uh, sort by most recent most recent, you'll see all my podcasts. Right. I also send it directly to um, Pill.net. And I also send it to Creative Destruction Media's streaming site on Getter. We'll have to run his podcast on Free People Radio. We've been talking about yeah, it. We'll We're ready to done. go. And he said all we got to do is pull it down. Yeah, easy. Professor Penn, you guys better be subscribed to Professor Penn Podcast. Hebrews coming soon. Hebrews. Hebrews? Hebrews. Right. Yeah, we're going Hebrews. We're going Hebrews. Well, you know how I found that out? Because the Nazis, <laughs> they made the uh, participants in the party take a blood oath that there was no Jewish blood or colored blood to get in the park. I thought, well, heck, if that's what it is. We got to go Hebrews. Hebrews, that's right. Nationalist Hebrews. <laughs> Saving the Republic. The irony. Um, yeah. Professor Penn Podcast. Make sure you go follow him on social media and his channel as well. You're on Tuesdays and Thursday nights. That's at correct. Seven, 9, p, 9 p.m. Central Time, 10 p.m. At 9 p.m. And 10 p.m. Eastern. 10 p.m. Eastern. You can find him on the audio platforms as well. I'm your host, Royce White. It's been great. Dan, we'll see you soon. We're okay. dragging you back. Super. Often, as often as we can. This man is one of the most important people in American politics. That's it for me. The fight continues. Don't die a jerk off. And as always, Godspeed.